Welcome, everybody, to the next episode of Chiefs Focus First and Ten. You are here with JP, Caleb, and a special guest. What's up, guys? Good, man. How are you doing? Good, man. I'm good, guys. How are you guys doing? Thank you for having me again. It's my second time back. Uh, first one was the special draft edition. I would call this one uh, preseason game number one special edition. <laughs> yeah, what yeah. better team to start off with? But the team that we beat when we were down by 10 in Super Bowl 54, the 49ers, man. Let's go, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's going to be a fun week. Uh, one thing I want to get off my chest real quick, and then we'll move on because we talk about this on every show. But I brought it up on Twitter because I'm pissed. I can't believe people are sending their kids to school with COVID and knowing they have COVID. This happened here. It's happened in Florida. And I want to say... I want to say it was Tennessee, but I'm not 100% on Tennessee, that that they know of right now. But these parents know that their kids have it, and they're sending them anyway. And now, it, with the school that is out here, apparently they these two kids infected a minimum of 80 people each by or hmm. exposed That's them. That's sad. The parents are letting them do it. This is sickening. It's criminal. As far as I'm concerned, they should do what they did with people with AIDS that went out and just randomly had sex with people because they knew they were going to die. They might as well do the same thing. These people and just stick them in the jail because all you're doing is infecting everybody. So I just had to get that off my chest because it frustrated the shit out of me when I saw that today. No, I hear you, man. The, the sad part with this is this will ultimately affect the football season. And Phil probably would agree with me. But if they can't have the fans in there, you don't got the you, you don't have those fans in there. They're allowed and home field advantage and Arrowhead's known for being allowed. So, yeah, man, guys, let's just try to do the right thing and let's just continue on with it. Well, Thanks, JP, for the message. Now, I appreciate it, man. Oh, no problem. They're moving it forward right now. I yeah. mean, every business is going to have to have, you got to be vaccinated if you want to work. And if not, you got to be tested mm. two or three times a week. They're making that mandatory yeah. out here. So all my employees have to be vaccinated or tested. Wow. This is Absolutely. What part of it, man. So there's not much you can do. Absolutely. And uh, to add part on that, uh, I did promise to my people today at uh, SAC that I would shout them out. Uh, shout out to my people at the Self-Advocate Coalition of Kansas. Um, to my uh, fr- to my people, uh, Angie, uh, Jacqueline, Stephanie, uh, Jason, Robin, Kathy, Lisa, and Kelly, uh, Brad, and Colin. Uh, shout out to you guys if you guys are listening to this podcast. Uh, our group, uh, about two weeks ago, I hosted the um, Americans with Disabilities Act celebration anniversary, 31 years mm-hmm. of the Americans with Disabilities Act signed by George H.W. Bush in 1990. We ain't gonna get into the politics because I don't want to get into that part, you know. But anyway, uh, we celebrated that. And a part of this event, we encourage people <laughs> to get their vaccines, the vaccination shots. And um, we had a good turnout, man. Very good turnout. Uh, it was my first big event to ever really like take full control of, full creative control of. Had 20 people that turned in their COVID uh, vaccination cards. We had five additional people that got uh, their shots. And uh, there was a moment there, there was a little, uh, I believe 12 year old uh, boy with autism like myself, uh, by the way, for those mm-hmm. reminders, for viewers out there that are listening, I have a medical diagnosis of autism since I was two years old. And um, it's uh, like a, a brain disorder where it's like your brain develops and uh, your sensories are very sensitive. You're sensitive to environments, your brain and you would develop 
slower than other people around you. So it's like you work at your own pace and you might ha have known for people for going off or, you know, having crazy outbursts and stuff like that. That's like one of those symptoms and everything like that. So he had one of those outbursts because he thought he was going to get the shot. Had nothing to do with the COVID shot. It's the fact that, mm -hmm. you know, like let's say JP and you, Caleb, when you guys were seven years old, his age, mm -hmm. y'all didn't want to get shots so y'all went to the doctor, right? Yeah. It didn't nah, no, nope, not even close. Right? And that's not the point that we're mm -hmm. talking about here, but the point is, you do need to get these shots, especially if you want to go back to school safe. And, you know, we all know what the blame goes to is those that are in charge that should encourage those people, especially those people who are in counties that should enforce those laws where they should do it just like they did. I thought they had it under control, like when they did it here in Kansas, in the state of Kansas, like I'm here in Douglas County here in Lawrence, and it's one of the safest in those rates and mm -hmm. I'm supposed to go to an ARC uh, national conference to represent uh, the ARC of Douglas County, the state of Kansas in New Orleans um, a week after my birthday on September 22nd, a week after that. But there's a good chance I'm not gonna go mm -hmm. because the state of Louisiana, I believe it's one of the highest or one of the highest of high COVID rates, especially with the Delta variant that's coming out. These folks aren't taking this serious. So I'm with JP there 100%, man. We encourage you all to get your shots. And like I said to people at the speech that I gave on that day at the ceremony, sometimes you just got to take risk in life. and But not just take risk, like, oh, I'm just going to take it for the risk of the risk. But just know what you're getting yourself into. Like, know the difference between the Pfizer. Know your, the difference between the Moderna. And, like, when you hear about the Johnson & Johnson, you know that's your choice. But make the right one. That's all I can say about that point. And, by the way, that take risk quote came from that Nike commercial. You know, that World Cup one with the uh, cartoon versions of Neymar and uh, Ronaldo. Mm. Yeah, Wayne, yeah, yeah. Bruni, and all those guys, they're all trying to get it. So, yeah, that's, I, I'm with that. Yeah. Well, good, man. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you got the word out there because people are just they're slacking off bad. I mean, it's it's become a nightmare. But out anyway, of Missouri, yeah, Missouri's just it's one of the top states for not getting it, not getting vaccinated. So, I mean, everybody thinks. Then I had saw a woman today bitching. They had a um, a freaking what do you call it? A uh, they stood out in the middle of the street with signs saying that when the FDA approves it, we've already went over this. The FDA approved red dye 40. It causes autism. It causes ADHD. They've proven it. Damn, ask Dan Marino. He'll tell you. Both of his kids. But yet, they didn't take it off the market. No different than artificial sweeteners. Let's leave it on the market and then put a label on it that says it can cause cancer. Well, so do cigarettes. I mean, it's stupid. You know, you're worried about what the FDA approves, but yet they approve dog shit. So <laughs> it makes zero sense to me why they are so concerned with the FDA approving this shit. I mean, they approve no. crap. So it's anyway, just, what what can we do at the end of the day, man? Yeah, no, you're good. You're good. No, it's just stupid, man. It's just dumb. It irritates the shit out of me. But anyway, we got a show. Um, so you know what? Let's go. Uh, let's start with McCall Hartman. What you guys hearing about McCall? Because I'm hearing different things from my guys there, and I want to know what you guys are hearing. Uh, for me, because, okay, I went to camp um, August uh, 2nd. That's on Lamar Hunt's birthday, so I thought that was very special. That's actually the second time I'm going to Chiefs training camp on Lamar's birthday. Um, on that day, I met Alex Smith the first time. So, okay, on this day. Well, McCall Hartman, um, 
McCall easily is the Chiefs' second best wide receiver, in my opinion. It's no doubt, man. Like, that's an easy answer at the moment. Of course, there's no Sammy Watkins. The whole point is next man up mentality. And I feel like McCall is taking that next step up, especially even after the Super Bowl when you're one of those players that were counting on to, you know, make a play, make something happen in the game. And, you know, we saw what happened there. I mean, I think the mentality is there for where he's going to like take a step forward. And, you know, of course, the media at first, we saw the tweets where everybody was like, oh, he said he was hanging out with Pat like that. And it's like he doesn't even have to. Mm-hmm. His board, for example, was training by himself in Texas. And I'm like, hey, man, like whatever you got to do to make yourself better or whatever. I mean, do what you got to do. And McCall is stepping up like when you look at McCall Hartman measurements and this stuff that I've done. And you guys seen me do this type of stuff, too, when I've sent like to you in direct messages on Twitter. Right. So I look at his measurements, McCall Harmon in his third year, you know who he's compared to, but he's better than this guy and with the potential to be better than this guy, Tyler Lockett, same 5'10", McCall is five pounds heavier. And I think, no, no, I think they're both the same size. I think, okay, I think Lockett is 182, McCall is five pounds heavier than 187, but the point is, McCall is more durable and McCall has the opportunity where it's like even let's say he gets like 600 to 700 yards receiving he can still fall back on his return specialist skill set and he can still earn all pro like mm-hmm. you know the Cordarrelle Patterson's of the league or like do like the Percy Harvins still be that type of guy but I see Tyler Lockett but better in McCall especially if you look at Tyler Lockett in year mm-hmm. three in his third season he got hurt because I probably the expectation was too much on him because I felt like look at the format of the Seahawks. You had Doug Baldwin, 5'10, Tyler Lockett, 5'10, and you had Paul Richardson, who's like six feet tall. So it's almost the same thing with the Chiefs, but I still think there's a good chance that they could still add somebody, or I wouldn't be surprised if one of the guys still do something. Uh like Byron Pringle, who I'm hearing good stuff out of out of camp. Um, but yeah, that's my thing about McCall right there. What do you think, Caleb? No, that's inside. That's great, great, man. Yeah. Uh, one thing I actually kind of noticed with McCall is, yeah, I expect to have a next year up town, next, sorry, next man up mentality where he's going to come and he's going to put all the work he needs to do or become a great wide receiver on this team. However, I've seen a couple of videos in the camp from a couple other people, don't remember who they are, but there was a couple of instances where he was, when he was running as a runner, it looked like he was trying to outrun the guy instead of trying out. And he basically got like pinched between the sideline and allowed an interception to be happen. And I mean, I love McCall and everything, but the one thing I've noticed is he always tries to outrun people. And that's not something you can do in the NFL. You can do it in college a lot because you got a lot of track star players in college that can do that. But yeah, thanks, man. But McCall in the NFL, he has all the potential, I believe. I think he can do it. Yeah. The only thing I'm just worried about is consistency because we have Tyreek Hill, right? right now and then it's McColl. Last year we had Tyreek Hill, Kelsey, sorry, we had Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins and McColl. Now granted even though Sammy Watkins was injured for half the season we we had a good expectation when he was there he's going to be consistent. What McColl something yeah like half the season but thing was with McColl, you know, well thing with McColl was like he would have a good game and then a couple bad games and a good game and a couple bad games. I mean there was times we would be fumbling the ball. But when you're looking at overall, I expect him, just like Phil said, he's going to take a step up. However, I just need to see more consistency from his standpoint, and I think he can do that. Well, I tell you, from what I'm hearing, um, I talked to a few people there, you know, on the ground, basically, and they're saying 
he's a totally different player than he was last year. Um, okay. I believe it. Everything he's doing is perfecting his route running and understanding the playbook and getting himself in football shape to be able to handle it. And also he's getting, I guess he's getting mentored to a degree on his competitive drive because there's a lot of times that he kind of, and people say this, but he seems to kind of fall off his routes or kind of give up a little bit to a degree. And they said, they're not Mm -hmm. seeing that at all this year. They're saying everything, you know, these guys are, that's good. Yeah. They're there basically every day at training camp and they're saying, man, he looks like a totally different player and they're attributing a lot of it to a sophomore slump, which a lot of people get in their second season. And it's just kind of part of it. But we were lucky with Mahomes. He never had a sophomore slump, really. I mean, he, you know, he didn't throw for 50 touchdowns his second year, but who gives a shit? He didn't need to, you know, I mean, he just didn't, he was still the best quarterback in the league. McColl's a, you know, that's a different position to play. Um, like we, we've always talked about corners and how difficult it is for a corner to play in this league, especially now, it's not much different for a wide receiver because, you know, they can get hit for offensive pass interference by looking at somebody the wrong way. You know, they can get tripped up. They're looking at five different things when they're trying to get you know down the field. And it's not as easy as everybody on Twitter and sitting on the couch wants to believe it is. It's a difficult position to play, no different than a cornerback. It's an extremely difficult position. That's why I'm, uh, you know, when they told me this, I'm like, damn. And this was, I talked, when did I send you that text yesterday, right? When I talked mm-hmm. to them about him? Yeah. And they were saying, man, he's a, he's a beast. But the one thing I will tell you is that everybody is high on D-Rob right now. They said he has played his ass off in, in this, in, in preseason. They said he looks so good. You sure, man? Yeah, okay. they said he looks phenomenal compared to what he looked like two years ago. Okay. All right. That's okay. good. So, I mean... I, I want to say one thing. Go ahead. <laughs> I, sorry. I like D-Rob, but it's just the thing with McCoy inconsistency. D-Rob has a tendency to catch the ball and the run backwards five yards. Or he'll I fumble. At the, I mean, during that Saints game, I don't know if you guys remember that. He, he took the punt and fumbled and caused a safety and almost caused a touchdown. I, I mean, there were just plays where he really hasn't showed up in the big moments. But if you're telling me that is true. That's what they're and saying. This, is maybe one of his last chances in the NFL, possibly because we don't know if the, anyone after the Chiefs can get him. This could be a year, man. Well, I'm hoping. You know, I just I, I need to see more consistency. Well, they worked a lot with him on that particular thing, of course. But he, the one thing about D. Rob is that he can make some of the most phenomenal acrobatic catches you'll ever see, and then sometimes one will just fall out of his hands when there's nobody around him because he's not really paying attention. Mm-hmm. And that was part of his problem is he wasn't paying attention yep. on those those easy plays and they're working with him to get his mindset straight. And apparently it's working very well because everybody I've talked to said he looked, he had a great camp so far. So. Okay. That's good. I I'm happy with it. I mean, you know, you know, it's so funny because you and I, we broke the news about, um, about uh, a Jody being converted to a tight end on the show mm-hmm. actually. And then it came out like a week later that he was a converted wide receiver. And, I was happy about it anyway. I thought from day one he should have been, really, he should have been a hybrid player. I think he, in which they are basically classifying him as a hybrid player. He's He can mm. be a wide receiver. He can be a tight mm. end. He can play on defense. He's a big dude. He ain't no little guy. That's possible. Yeah, and he's got the speed, and he's got the hands to do whatever you want him to do. They are really impressed with him as well, but what I'm told is it's going to be tough with, with the other guys that we have in camp for him. 
so Gray and everybody else that's out there just balling like nobody's business, they're still saying it might be a little tough for him. I, I so, wish and hope and pray he gets his opportunity. They said he will get opportunities this year if he makes the 53-man roster. He will get okay. some opportunities, but I'm hoping and praying he does because that kid's got – he's a freaking beast. He's a freaking nature. People don't realize how good he is, but everybody I've talked to said, you don't even understand how good he is. They just haven't had the opportunity to see him other than basically two preseason games since he's been in the league. So it's really difficult. You know, his first year he got to play in a couple – preseason games and then last year they had no preseason so they wanted to go with what they knew but it kind of is what it is i hope and pray the kid makes it because we need all the help we can get in that area i don't care yeah. what anybody says we, we need do. somebody that's you know what is he six five six four six five kids he's huge. a deep threat if, if you need some yeah he's a definite deep threat what do you but, think philip yeah Austin, right yeah man oh yeah. my gosh i gotta tell you so i was up there and this backs up what you're definitely saying bro I think the way he played when I was up there, he played like he was tight end number two. Yeah. Like he took great spot, nothing against Gray. Gray still has the skill set. It's just that when I went up there and I saw Gray, Gray dropped the ball twice. And then it was uh, the seven nine or seven oh seven period. Gray was in coverage, was going against Nick Bolton in coverage, and he stopped in his route. You can't stop in your route if you're in the National Football League. And it was a mm-hmm. mistake. I think that was the first day he was like, have his first bad day in practice because yeah, when I he stopped. I think that was when out. Mahomes yelled at him, right? And told him to keep, uh, keep running. Yeah. Is that when Mahomes that was yelled the one. at him? I did that hear that. That was the one. Because I'm going to tell you more about that. Not just Mahomes. Oh, so okay. So Bolton did a good job picking him off. Mahomes out of him, but EB was the one you should have seen, bro. Oh, I heard. Yeah. Slammed, mm-hmm. He slammed his clipboard down and screamed, Y'all better pick this shit up. Yeah. I ain't telling you, y'all better pick this shit up. And he was like, Oh, wow. Like, EB don't play. Everybody he don't said play. he's like, oh, yeah, I already know, day. man. I already they know. They said he don't stop. They said he's just, they said he's just one of those guys. And Andy gets a little frustrated sometimes from what I hear because EB doesn't have a filter. And Andy does. <laughs> so I know he gets a little bit irritated, but not irritated, but I think he gets like, hey, man, you know, because Andy's not that confrontational type of guy. He just wants you to work. You know, he doesn't want to mm-hmm. go out there and cuss you out and call mm-hmm. you names and throw you, yeah. you know, spit at you and shit. But EB just, he's a solid guy. He's a, he's a you know, that's why we're, he's 80% of why we're as good as we are. I mean, I truly believe that as far as offense is concerned. Andy's mm-hmm. the you catalyst behind all of it. But eBay, yeah, EB just brings it out of everybody. He knows what to say, when to say it, and how to say it. But, but yet, people respect him for what he says. He's not like Tom Coughlin that, you know, cusses somebody out and then throws a football at him and tells him to get the fuck off the field because that's what Coughlin did. I mean, shit, a guy died under his watch. But um, he's just a guy that people respect him. Even though he gets pissed, they know why he's mad. And I like that about him. You know, I mean, it's awesome. Uh, but yeah, man, I mean, it sounds like to me that everybody's, I, I am elated, but the things I'm hearing about this team, elated exactly. from the offensive line guys that have just stepped up like none of them. Everybody made a big deal about a couple of injuries on the offensive line with LDT, uh, yeah. you know, and his, everybody said, oh, he broke his hand. It was one bone in his hand and it was a hairline fracture. It's not a major thing. He's going to be back on the field by week one. I've already yeah. been told that. So I'm not even concerned with that. If we need him, he's there. Kyle Long is probably going to be back by no later than week three, supposedly. But right. they think maybe week one. He's a He got, well, a lot faster than they ever expected. So right. mm. it's going to be a – I'm telling you, man, I, I'd be scared if I was somebody else in this league. If I was oh, with any good. other team, I'd be scared. 
Especially after coming off of a Super Bowl loss Ooh. like that and yeah. everybody talking their shit mm -hmm. during this offseason. Mm -hmm. Oh, mm -hmm. it's redemption time, mm -hmm. man. Oh, it is. I'm so tired yep. of hearing it. You're not right. One more jack off says 31 and 9 to me. I'm probably going to throw my phone in the street. I get so tired <laughs> of hearing that shit. Well, Where was oh, the <laughs> I mean, seriously, what are you going to say? You motherfuckers were sitting on the couch while the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl for their second straight time, and you're saying that the score. Well, you motherfuckers didn't make it. You were on the exactly. couch eating, eating popcorn, watching the Chiefs play in the Super Bowl. Exactly. 25-year-old, 24-year-old quarterback at the time that had been to two straight. And, of course, it's always Ravens fans and Bills fans. They want to talk the most shit. Bills ain't been to a Super Bowl, ain't ever won one, and he's been to one since 90, what, four, five, six? I mean, Moby Dick was yeah, a ninety four. The yeah, or falls of Buffalo, bro. Yeah. There's even a joke still in the movie Heavyweights about the Bills in the Super Bowl. Like, come on, man. Like that yeah. shit, telling that they're even a joke themselves, man. So it's like, what? First, why should they even care? Because, like, okay, for example, this is the same city and team that wanted the Browns to beat us. So. The Browns could go there. Yeah, exactly, so they like, didn't want to play. I'm us, like, huh? oh, you was afraid yeah. to come to Arrowhead. Come on yeah. now, you knew you had to come mm -hmm. through us. So, and now yeah. we went through this offseason and revamping the whole offensive line. Oh, oh yeah, man. Yeah, it's go time now, man. It's it's crazy. Mahomes has got that mindset too. Everybody's told me. All he keeps talking about is he, he brings up, you know what? I don't want to repeat. I don't want to repeat of last year. I don't want this to happen again. And he's very adamant on the field about how he wants things done. And he's becoming the, he's always been the leader since he's been there. But man, he is like, people love him to death, dude. They, when he speaks, everybody mm -hmm. just shuts up. And it's like, it's insane how much clout he has for a four-year player. I mean, it's, it's insane. I, I, but it's understandable. Look how good he is. Who the right. hell could ever in a million years ever deny his greatness? You can say it all you want, you know, but regardless, he's the best that's in this game right now. And probably in years, for years to come, he's going to be the best in the game because Brady's going to get out. There's no doubt. He's not even, okay, look, I'll put it like this. How many yards did Mahomes throw for in the Super Bowl? I'm not gonna look up the stat real quick. I think it was like I'm not for three twelve or something, right? Something or was like it that. under that? I can't remember. It was a good amount. I remember that. I don't remember. Well, he played. I know he, he threw a minimum of hundred yards more than Brady did because Brady threw two hundred and one yards. Yeah, he had three touchdowns, but he threw two hundred yards. Two hundred and one yeah, yards the for the touchdown. Run game was there for him. Yeah. So I mean, Brady has never had eight or nine straight three hundred plus yard games. He's never had that, ever. Mahomes had that in one season. You know, I don't think Brady's ever thrown for 240 yards in a quarter, but Mahomes did. Actually, right. I think it was. Yeah, I don't think that's possible at all with him. No, no, no. He's there not, might be that one mobile. time. In man camp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. But well, anyway. The reason why I said this is because I remember when they played against the Titans, they were up like 56 nothing at half or something. This was a long time ago. Oh, I remember fans that. Probably yeah. listening to the show probably don't know this. But Brady, yeah, that's yeah. probably the only time he probably had a good amount of yards in the half. Yeah, but that was but. like the 76-ranked defense at the time. We only had 31 teams, 32 teams. <laughs> I mean, they were the worst defense on the in the planet, weren't mm -hmm. they? They're well, I'm talking sad. about this was against the Tennessee Titans That's back in the saying. early 2000s. Yeah, their defense was terrible, wasn't it, at that time? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I think was, so, yeah. Yeah. I think they had a bunch of – if I remember that game, and I think they had a bunch of third-string guys in, and 
they had nobody playing. Their whole defense was injured. But I don't know. I guess my point is, is that the people don't realize the competitive nature of this team and how much they want to win. And their whole goal right now is to get back to the Super Bowl. And if they go yeah, three, yes. three straight years, win or lose, they go three straight years. Who else has done that? Three straight years. Let me just tell you this right now: they're going to play, get back to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl, like as if Tampa is going to be there. And yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that, yeah. That, that's the thing too. We're playing mm-hmm. like we hope to see them. They're like, y'all better get here. Like when Leonard Fournette, speaking back to your comment earlier in the show, Leonard Fournette talking about, man, this is unfair about the NFL forces COVID shot. Oh, do y'all want to go back to winning or not? Because we want to see you there. Nah, yeah. uh-uh. take those exactly. shots. Mm-hmm. We want to see you there. Uh-uh. Exactly. I took my shots. We mm-hmm. want to get back there. We're all three here too. That's crazy, man. Exactly, right? Um, <laughs> the Chiefs is the only team when they made that announcement and I made that post on Twitter. Wow, y'all notice they're the only team out of everybody that hasn't played. Yeah, no, they haven't. And, yeah. Right. And just two weeks before this came out, Kelsey did talk about how, you know, it was difficult for me to take the shots. But, you know, I got to a point in my life where I said I had to do this, man. And I think those mm-hmm. decisions had to do with the fact they want to get back there, man. Dream of Californication. Yep. Mm-hmm is the theme of this season. Dream yeah. of Californication, baby. Yeah, they they hometown. We were the only team at one time that was 95% vaccinated. And I don't Absolutely. know, I mean, a lot of teams have come up since then, but there's still teams since. that aren't anywhere near it. But uh, mm-hmm. we were the only team that was 95% vaccinated. And that was- First team reported too, man. Yeah, that was what, three months ago, four months yep. ago. So we're, <laughs> these guys are, are, I guess it's more of an intelligence and a, um, I guess it's more of a maturity situation for these guys, even though some of them are young and some of them, you know, are for the most part, our whole team is young, uh, except for a few, but these guys are just, they're, they're, they're mature beyond their years. And that just says, it, it just speaks volumes to how great of an organization we have that our team is so willing to put themselves out there, regardless if somebody likes it or not, they're willing to do it. And you know, there's a few. Dirty Dan hasn't. I know he may have by now, but he didn't get vaccinated. And I, I know a couple other ones that I've heard. I'm not going to say their names, but Dan, Dirty Dan's been public, so I'm going to leave that at that. But who cares? I mean, right. you know, the whole point behind this is creating uh, herd immunity. Uh, what is it? Herd, herd immunity, where they, you know, you basically just you're 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 trapping it to where it doesn't have any hosts. You know, if you got 80% of the population vaccinated, whether it be in a small group of people of you know, a hundred or it's the entire population. If you get 80% or plus, then it has no host and it starts to die off. And that's where we've been lacking. And the NFL knows this, but again, I'm happy with what we've got. And we've got a great team with, with they're just all, they're all in and they're all bought in. And that's what the best part about this is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one thing that I wanted to talk that about, true. Too, it is um, Alex Smith. I got to bring this up, man. So mm-hmm. happy for that dude. Mm-hmm. Yes. So happy for Alex Smith. I mean, well-deserving. The best move ESPN's made in the, probably the last 20 years is bringing mm-hmm. him on because I don't think anybody on that network is as intelligent as him when it comes to football. Any of the players, I don't care. Marcus Spears, I don't know, man. He seems out there. I listen to him talk, and I'm like, what the hell is he saying? Because <laughs> he don't make no damn sense. He's there for just the same reason why Stephen A. Snitch is there. I'm not, I'm not going to call him Smith Snitch. Stephen yeah. A. Snitch. Yeah. You know what's so funny? Yeah, bro. Because that's what they're there for. They're just there to talk loud and, like, be disruptive and 
entertain and all that other stuff, especially for a black man like me, I'm like, man, have some self-respect for yourself, man. Stop making this look bad out here. You talking about you representing black people, for example, stop doing that type of shit, man. Like, for real. You know what I'm saying? And like Sam and Ocho, he ain't no different. Ocho the same way. Ocho, man, what the hell? He just talks out his ass. And you he know, Does that dude right, have right. any value besides loud? He screams everything he says. Wait a minute, was that the Brendan Marshall thing though, man? Yeah. What was that thing? Oh, yeah. shit. I couldn't believe that. <laughs> I could not believe it, man. He's a, I don't know, man. He's just out there. He thinks because he wrote a book that everybody gives a shit about his opinion. We don't, especially when you're wrong. I'm sorry, man, but you're wrong a lot of the times. But they still talk. No, so. Shannon Sharp is arguably, Shannon Sharp is arguably one of the better sports commentators, in my opinion, out there. Oh, without he yeah, brings yeah, facts, love, he I presents them, and there you go. Yeah. I love Uncle Shay Shay, man. Yeah. I ain't gonna lie. I love, I actually love that movie that he did with the Julio Jones thing. And it was, it was great. Mm -hmm. And I love, I love how Julio made Skip look, bro. Just like that woman, Jenny Tapp today, oh, bro. Yeah. yeah. Julio just said like, nah, mm -hmm. man, I wasn't planning on ever going to Dallas anyway. <laughs> oh yeah, by the way, shout out to my boy. <laughs> that uh, was funny. Yeah. Shout out to my boy, Brian, my boy, Brian Hayer. Uh, he's a diehard Cowboys fan. You know, I, I'm gonna just give him shit right now. Well, they're, they're, you know, Dak decided that, you know, you saw that thing about Dak today, right? It's not any reason to be concerned. No one should be upset about this, but Dak's gonna get another MRI. Okay, well, look, I know, I know. There ain't nothing oh, wrong with you. you ain't getting another, yeah, yeah, man, he's getting another yeah, one. Happen. He always is hurt. He's always hurt. You know what I call that? The fat contract injury. That's what I call it. It's the fat contract injury, man. I'm sorry, but I, you know, hey, look, C.D. Ford, C.D. Ford. If you want to know about this shit, just C.D. Ford, because that dude had the best damn year of his career on contract year. And then what happened when he got mm -hmm. his back contract? Oh, shit, I'm hurt. My back, my back, my back hurts. Okay, well. Oh, uh, yeah, you're right. I'll, I'll give you. you got all the money, then don't play, mm -hmm. man. You know what I mean? I'll it is you. what it is. I'll raise I'll, you that guy. I take that guy and I'll raise you. Albert Hainsworth, <laughs> Tennessee. Yeah. yeah. Then he went to Washington. Mm -hmm. He went to Washington. Yeah. Oh, he doesn't want to do his conditioning test. I remember watching that at when at that time. I was like, "What is? I'm like, what is going on here? Yeah. So basically, we're getting news that this guy's being lazy. What is this? Like, yeah. Well, you know what? When I was when I, you know, back in the '90s, they used to call Derek Thomas lazy. That's all they did. They I remember him. that. Dude, yeah. don't wanna, I mean, I, I used to, that, I used to jack with him. I'd say, Derek, why, why? He goes, what? Why don't you ever want to work out, man? I don't want to get in that shit. I said, and he didn't. That was the crazy part, man. He didn't. You hardly ever seen him really in a gym. I mean, he would go in there and work out some, but he wasn't like everybody else. But Derek had a different, there was a difference. Derek had unbelievable talent and unbelievable strength. That was all him. He didn't need to do all this other shit to make himself better. He just didn't. Derek was just Derek. And Derek was, imagine if he did, though. Oh my God. And that's what that's I used to tell him all the time. Time. Derek, as good as you are, do you think you'd be better if you? No, hell no, man. I'd be tired. That's what he'd say. I'll be tired then. <laughs> and he, he, who knows, man? Maybe he would have been. The guy was like the most calm, relaxed individual you'd ever meet, nicest guy you'd ever meet. But when it came to that, Marty would, you know, I remember Marty saying to him one time, hey, man, uh, you're going to do the, you know, run. I think it was run. He said, why the hell would I do that? He goes, well, everybody else is running. He goes, yeah, but I don't need to run. Marty didn't <laughs> him about it. And he didn't. I, it was weird, man. He, 
he would have this game, you know, like the eight sack or seven and a half sack game, whatever you want to call it. I call it an eight sack game because he really did have eight sacks. But the dude just, he would take a nap in the locker room and come yeah. and have five sacks. <laughs> I've never seen never seen anybody like him, man. We would be sitting on a couch. Wow. And he'd be done eating. We're watching something. Five minutes after he's done eating, you hear somebody snoring. He didn't do nothing all day. I was the <laughs> one that cooked. I cooked. I went to his house and cooked. He came to my house and cooked. Didn't matter. He was asleep after we ate. It wasn't turkey. Right. He could eat freaking a salad. It wore him out. A salad make his ass tired. On a football <laughs> field, he was totally. Well, I just showed you. It, let me just say something. There's a difference between the combine and then the game speed. Yeah. You can do good at the combine and have a not great career, but you can do bad at the combine and go to the go to a team and have a phenomenal career. Oh, the fair. combine isn't ride or die. As many people think that, oh, he ran a four-two-two and he had thirty-three on the bench press. He had a big line. I don't know the, what a good vertical jump is, but he had an excellent vertical jump. You could have a guy do half that and be jumping around the football field. For sometimes yep. it just clicks for certain players, and it just it works does. out better for them in the end. It does. I mean, Derek was one of those guys, and then you saw Neil. And everybody else that was that they're beating the shit out of each, you know, selves to get better and be stronger and do all the things that, you know, whether it be speed or arm movements or whatever it could have been, Derek just, he would stand there and watch him and then say, okay, well, you guys are worn out and I'm not, I'm going to go out and play. And he did. I mean, it, it's so different what people assume, you know, it is something that Jeff Allen put out the other day. And I wanted to bring this up too, while we had, uh, we're on the show. Oh, Somebody yeah. was arguing about something. I don't remember what it was. Some stupid shit. And the guy was arguing with Jeff like he didn't know what the hell he was talking about. Like he never I do remember that, man. Yeah. I was like, I'm tired of these type of people, man. Well, like, and Jeff said, you know, you, you know, you might want to listen because we're scripted. You know, a lot of the things that we say are scripted. A lot of the things we're told how to say it and when to say it because the NFL doesn't want somebody to make a mistake and say something that wrong or do something wrong, whatever the case may be. And he's right. I remember that back 30 years ago, it was the same way. 25 years ago, it was no different. If they had an interview with a Fox 4 or whoever the hell it was, they knew exactly what to say before they said it. Because they knew what the questions were going to be anyway. So they had to know what to say and what not to say. These right. guys that sit on the couch, man, they, they think they know, but they don't. It's not. It's a different world in the NFL than, than, than anything else. So, uh, But anyway, moving on. What do you think about this whole Thomas situation, you guys? I know what's I, I know a little bit, but I'm not going to say much right now. I'll say a little bit, but you guys go ahead first, because I do know a little bit, but I know enough to get myself in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking oh, about Mike Thomas, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, well, one, uh, if you review the Saints before, I believe before this Michael Thomas thing, right? Um, like one, they I think their Super Bowl window for real. I think no offense, I think it's closed, man. Even their defense, though, as good as it is, mm -hmm. I still think they're cl there's closed because of the Drew Brees, you know, retirement. And then the other thing is, if y'all remember, like I think a year ago or two years ago, where they got in trouble with something, what had to do with the Catholic Church or something like that. And it's nothing against anybody yeah. with religious affiliation, but that story with you know, you know, the story, you know. Yeah, that right there, mm -hmm. that speaks about the team's integrity. And don't forget, ain't this the same team that got caught with Bounty Gate and everything like that, still with the same head coach? Still did it two years later, well, three years later, five years later. Greg Williams, yeah. right? But Sean, well, that's yeah. what Sean, that's the head coach, saying, but I don't know. I, mean, I agree with you. 
I don't think Sean, when he was saying, I didn't know, I think you have to have some for no, if you're the no coach, head, if you're the head coach of a team, you have to know something. Yeah. But for him to say, I didn't know, uh, unless they bullshit. were just, unless he just. <laughs> I, 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 I give it, I give it an example. If Sean Payton knew it, his thing must've been like, well, hey, as long as it helped us win games, shoot. I think it would. It, the thing was, it thought it would brought motivation for the guys to play better. And I understand mm-hmm. that. How much money was it? I forgot what it was. It was getting high. It was getting a lot of Wasn't money. It like five grand or something or something insane? Something like that. In that I range. think so. Yeah. But it's like what T. Sizzle said, man. So, one team gets caught with Bounty Gate, but another team, what a guy that wore number 12, in a place where my homeboy comes from, where he said, hey, bro, look on the TV, there's Jesus. But they got caught with filming teams' practices before yeah. the Super Bowl yep. and deflating footballs. Difference. I know both mm-hmm. things are frowned upon, but which is worse? Like T-Sizzle said, man. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think it's all bad. You're not wrong. People, some people can get away with stuff. I mean, look how many times he's ran a score up on teams that he didn't need to do it. I mean, they're up 45 points in the, you know, seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. Let's score three more touchdowns. I mean, that's dumb. You don't need to do that shit. That's just embarrassing to a team. And, you know, that's the one thing. I, mean, I do agree that you need to have a sizable lead, but you don't need to, you know, you're up 45 to three. Right. And you're going to run up two more touchdowns when there's five, six minutes left. Come on, man. That's just wrong. JP, no lead is safe for the Chiefs. I'm, jo- uh, I'm joking. I'm joking. Don't worry. <laughs> We've seen the move 45 to 10. The Colts come back. Uh, what was another score? What, 21 yeah. to 3 and a half? No, half no, no, do not remind me of that. 28 no, to nothing. Anybody not remember that 28 to nothing at half? Okay, <laughs> okay. Back to the subject. So, yeah, yeah. with all that being <laughs> anyway, said Thomas. about... So, with all that being said about Thomas, I brought the whole thing about Bounty Gay up to say that that's all on the New Orleans Saints organization, just like how the Packers handled that situation with Aaron Rodgers. That's on both of these teams, especially with teams that have Super Bowl windows and the way they're mm-hmm. treating their star players. That mm-hmm. should basically tell you, like, how blessed we should be as a fan base about how the Chiefs are handling everything with their things. So, with that being said about Thomas, I hope that the Chiefs, you know, have a chance to try to get him because it's a better shot to get him than when Julio was available at the time. And, you know, you look at the base salary that it will take that he's going to make this year if you trade him. It's like, come on, man. That's, come on, easy money. Like, heck yeah. Well, they're two totally different players, too. Thomas is a much better player than Julio is, in my opinion. More durable. Yeah, more durable. And, of Mm -hmm. course, first of all, that says a lot about the Saints organization. Rick Burkholder, that means Rick Burkholder has to be the best team doctor in the National Football League. I'm not going to lie. I had my concerns at first because, like, of course, it began in 2013 when, like, the injuries started piling up. But then since then, as I got older, I've gotten – better with how I feel about Rick Burkholder to the point I'm like, yeah, he's the best team doctor and highly respected too in the National Football League. So I'm glad about that. So yeah, man, if they can get him out. But if there's one team I'm actually looking at, of course, Jacksonville because of Urban Meyer connection and everything. Yep, that's yeah. true. But you're Kansas City, you're Brett Beach, you're, you're thinking like, man, it is intriguing. Plus, he ain't cost, he ain't gonna cost like how Julio costs. Not either. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's a lot of misconceptions out there about what it's going to take for us to bring him on. It's not a lot of money. Everybody yeah. said ten million. It's actually all they really need is a million, and they can get him on the on the on the on the field. So, mm-hmm. are contracted. Um, go ahead, Caleb. What do you think? Yeah, do you no. Think, 
thinking about that, if the Chiefs could go ahead and get Michael Thomas, we will have a date. We will have a wide receiver two automatically because that will allow McCole to play in the slot and allows the other receivers to develop more. I think this would be perfect for one main reason. It's going to free up McCole. You have to worry about Tyreek Hill, the fastest wide receiver in the league. Travis Kelsey, the most dominant. They call him Zeus for a reason, one of the best tight ends in the league. This he is, is going to allow for McCole out of slot to do his thing and go against linebackers. McCole is fast. This can allow him to perfect his route running even more. It's our offense to be even more explosive. Everyone likes to say, oh, Michael Thomas, all he, can, all he can do is run slants. That is not true. Michael Thomas can run the, can run the whole route tree. So I think if Michael Thomas comes to the Chiefs, one or two different things can happen. And I think I talked with you, Phil, about this. Number one, he could ball out for the Chiefs, and they could trade him next season if they wanted to and get some good compensation. Because when you have a guy playing with Mahomes, his value jumps up. We've well, we seen Albert Wilson, twice, Chris so, yeah. Conley, and yep. many others. Yep. Yep, yeah, 100%. Number two, if and if they trade for um, Michael Thomas and he ball, he does really good this season coming up and he wants to stay with the Chiefs and they can work out a contract that's team friendly, but he also gets paid through incentive base. Because I think at this point, he's more concerned about I want to win a ring. I think that we will have one of the best offenses that will rival the greatest Sean Turk. And I know we said the offenses we had in the past were great, but I think the, we, if we had... Michael Thomas, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and others. I'm telling you right now, that offense will be dynamic. Defense will not know what to do because when one guy go down, you have someone up stuff in the place. You have basically two number one wide receivers. Tyreek Hill, Michael Thomas, Kelsey. I mean, I don't even know what else to say. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, when we had Sammy on the field along with uh, Tyreek and along with Kelsey, uh, and again, we had a, a, a running back that could come out of the backfield and end up being a wide receiver you know we we had everything you could ever want nobody knew who to cover and that was the biggest thing who do you cover yes exactly. You know, that's the biggest thing now here's what i've been told and i will tell you this brett beach talks to every single player that he can of value to him to this team whether he signs them or not is a totally different story but he does reach out to every single player and i do know that he's already reached out to Thomas or that situation, I'll put it that way. Cool. Whether it's going to happen or not, no way of knowing. Um, I do know that he was actively serious about it um, or pursuing him to a degree. But again, this is Veach. If he wants him, he will sign him. He's not going to let him go. Everybody thought he had a bunch of misses in the pre in off season. He did not. He dodged a few bullets, but he didn't have any misses. Period. End of story. Somebody said, "Oh, he missed on Juju." No, he didn't. He dodged a bullet because Juju's a lazy motherfucker. Then you got to talk about. Oh, I'm, just, I'm being too. serious. He's lazy. And then you talk about his TikToks. Oh, oh yeah, that's all mm-hmm. he's concerned about is the TikTok shit. And then you talk. You know, they everybody said about what's his face that went to San Francisco, that offensive lineman. Uh, oh, Trent Williams. Trent Williams. Williams. He didn't dodge. Man, he dodged the biggest bullet on the planet. A 33-year-old offensive lineman that just came off an injury-riddled season, and you're gonna give that man oh, a five-year fucking what 90 million or whatever it was 140 million dollar contract that's insane who the hell would ever do that i would race gonna be better than him but it's all once all oh, said and done without the way it's looking. fail without fail but i will tell you this i do know that the chiefs are looking actively looking for another wide receiver they are wanting somebody that is big and seasoned to a degree so i do know that they are looking um I have I'm a feeling you're gonna. Thomas highlights why you're talking about it right now too, man. And that's why I'm like, Ooh, 
Yeah. Uh, I got a feeling you're probably going to see somebody, if not by the beginning of the season, by at least the second trade line. Yeah. You know, I think it's going to happen. Mm. So with that being said, everybody out there that's complaining, you know, I remember somebody that posted on Twitter, we'll never get Orlando Brown. We're not going to sign Orlando Brown. What are you crazy? We're not going to sign him. What do we do? We signed Orlando Brown. So Brad Beach, if there's a beach, there's a way. Damn Skippy. And that dude, the one thing about Beach is that he will make it happen and he will make the other team look stupid when he does it. And that's what he did with the Ravens. And that's what he's going to continue to do. He hasn't had a miss when it comes to this. He had dodged a few bullets, but he didn't miss anybody this year. Absolutely. And as far as his and draft picks, One thing I would like to say. Go ahead. Oh, and I was going to say just one thing in our Beach. If there's any good player, semi-good player on the a trade blocker who's disgruntled, he is going to be there. So people can always say, well, we can't talk about these players because the team's going to sign them for more money, more money. That's true. But one thing you know about Brett Beach, every player that has seen to go on the trade block the last couple of years, there has been reports reporting back the Chiefs were interested or they yeah. were trying to see. And JP, you know, I'm talking, Adrian Peterson, many different other players in the past, they were kind of curious. Let's see. What if? Do we want to get him? Do we not? So I mean, just kind of just show you. And when it comes to the misses, that Brett Beach has had. He's only really had three misses. First one would be Kalil McKenzie. He was a defense lineman converted to offense lineman. I wanted him to stay on the second season with the team, but he ended up getting cut and then ended up signed to another roster. So unfortunately, that didn't happen. Traymond Smith, uh, he was, was a, out of Central Arkansas, cornerback. He was he didn't play bad. He was pretty decent, but it didn't work out. The cornerback position, we're kind of already with the players we had. And then last but not least, Breland Speaks. I don't have, I don't know what has happened to him. I think he's he still Eddie. a good player. He, do you know, Philip, where Breland Speaks is at? I thought he went to Miami, but I could be wrong. I think the last team I heard recently was the New York Giants. Was it the Giants? Okay, well. Okay. Yeah. Well, and, and that just shows you right there is out of the three draft classes that he's only had three misses. That well, is pretty good. Yeah. And Breland Speaks arguably, yeah, and Breland Speaks, you could argue, you could argue one or two ways. The first one is Breland Speaks was drafted to, the year before we kind of changed our defense. Yeah. So we could say, do you think he can help? And also we had a loaded group on his position on the defensive line. I mean, we had a loaded group. And he got cut. Yeah. So that just shows you moving towards the future. Beach knows what he's doing. They know what players they're bringing in. And it's going to work out eventually. So there's no reason to fret. It's going to no, work. There isn't. I actually saw somebody on Twitter. It's actually a kind of a big name person that, uh, you know, he was, he hates the chiefs. He absolutely hates us. And the one thing that he said that was actually pretty, it made me feel a little bit better. He said, no matter what you think, good or bad about the Chiefs, whether you like them or you don't like them, for the next 10 years, you're going to see them continually have stars on that offense because Mahomes will make them stars. If they're not great, they will be great. Oh, if yeah. they're, mm-hmm. if, if the, with our, uh, with our, I guess, front office, if you want to call it that, they, they have a knack of bringing in players that fit within our system, which is the number one goal. And then number two is how great they are. If they're good, great. If they're not so good, they're going to get better. And that's, you know, look at all these guys that we brought in, six-round picks that have turned out to be beasts, man. I mean, guys that didn't even get picked because of a medical problem Mm -hmm. three years ago that they haven't had since. And now they're one of the best players out of Mm -hmm. the draft, you know. So 
I'm not concerned with anything for the next 10, 15 years. I'm just not. I mean, I don't think Mahomes is ever going to play anywhere else. I think his contract will get extended at the end of that 10 years. He's laid so many roots down in Kansas City that he's not going anywhere. Hell, he owns oh, yeah. part owner of two different major major sports. You know, I'm just blown out of the water that he's 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 made a, a he's he's grounded himself in Kansas City permanently. He's not going anywhere. So Absolutely. it just is mm-hmm. what it is. I mean, we got a team that is just we're set for a long time. I'll just put it that way. Right, right. Um, injuries in camp. I'm kind of tired of hearing about that, but everybody, oh my God, all these injuries, they don't look good. Oh Lord, this is bad. Oh my God. Right. Look, man, we got a stacked offensive line going back 10 deep for a reason. These guys, all of them, whether it be Kyle Long, that may be a second or third option. Right. LDT, that may be a second or third option to some of these guys that they're all talented and they're all able to, to protect Mahomes, period. They're all able to do it. So if somebody breaks a bone in their finger, don't make it out like they just fell off of a cliff and they're never going to play again. You know, yeah. God forbid somebody actually gets injured. In a, I mean, I look at some of these teams that have had five people retire in a week and then four other people get injured that were starters and they don't have backups for them like we do. They don't have That's the depth that we true. have. So... I wouldn't worry so much about a broken bone in a hand. I mean, Ward played a whole damn season with a you know broken hand. He came out after the first, sure. when Snead got hurt. Where was where was Ward? Right back on the field. Right. Wrapped his and hand Finn, and he got there playing. Stepped up too. Huh? And mm-hmm. Rashad Finn stepped up too. Exactly. I mean, yeah. we, That's we ain't got nothing to worry about, man. Nothing. Sure. I tell you who I'm proud of though, and I'm happy for is Breezy. I wish he would have stayed. I love Breezy. I always have. I think that people gave him a bad rap. He's a good dude, man. He really is a good dude. Uh, and what he did for the community, especially at Lincoln uh, Prep. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's just a good person, man, all the way around. I mean, he's just a cool guy, and he loves Chiefs Focus. He, I mean, I saw him on Instagram Live, and I was hollering at him, and he hollered right back. He said, I love Chiefs. The guy that was with him in the car, he goes, who's that dude? He goes, that's JP from Chiefs Focus. They're cool as shit. That's exactly what he said, because he knows we don't pull no punches, man. <laughs> and he said, what's up, JP? Yeah, I said, how you done. doing, man? And yesterday was, I thought about his quote that he said about my research. He said, you see, research is power. And that's real. And even people who still hating on that shit. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. man, y'all just, y'all just want to hate on just. A lot of people nothing. are haters, man. A lot of haters out there. So. Real, real. I will say this about the injury thing. As I'm looking at it, this is from uh, Nate Taylor on The Athletic. Um, there are uh, the offensive line. I mean, the interior, I would say I'm fine with. The only position I would be concerned about is the offensive tackle, which leads me to like, I was thinking this when I saw Niang, it's good to see Niang out there. But Andrew Wiley, I have nothing against Wiley. Wiley, I think he's better off a guard than he is a tackle, in my opinion, especially if you look at uh, the Mm -hmm. 2018 season when Mahomes won MVP, he was the rookie of the year for the Chiefs that year, the Mac Lee Award winner. And he was mm. a guard, so he's better off there, in my opinion, especially when mm. you keep him. And he does bring value as a tackle. But if the Chiefs were willing to go get somebody, don't be – don't you got to bring this in mind. Number 71 is still available, so I wouldn't be surprised if they brought Mitch back, especially on a cheap deal, because I think he I think he understood that. And if you also heard word coming out from most of these players, like Joe Tooney, uh, Kyle Long – Creed Humphrey, mm-hmm. Trey Smith, and even Orlando, all of them, 
they've all said that they credit Mitchell Schwartz for their transition here in Kansas City. And that's saying a lot, even for a guy who's still now on the team. But another thing in mind, too, is he he's just built a house in Overland Park and he's chilling. Yeah. He's actually doing a lot in um, – they had an O-line camp that he was a big part of it. It started out with, like, I don't know, 20 guys, another 200 every year. And there's going to be a lot more. Um, and he's basically helping guys that are either coming into the NFL or haven't even gotten to the NFL yet, maybe just starting college. And he's helping these O-line guys really uh, perfect their craft. And I like the fact that he's doing that. He's enjoying his life right now. And if he comes, he, he actually said, hey, I'm here if you need me. And that's awesome that he's willing to come back. You know, I mean, he's not like his brother. That's for sure. They're, they're like night and day. I mean, his brother. Oh, Lord. Um, yeah. I'm yeah. sorry, but he, Ooh, he gonna he really out, that'll be all our show in itself. Oh, shit. He really thinks he's the smartest guy in the NFL. He says it on his show. They called his show, I'm Smarter Than You. But he's really not that smart. Exactly. He's just not. I mean, he, he may know a few things. Yeah, he played in the league. But he's not the smartest guy on the planet. I mean, I would I would say Kurt Warner's got him beat by a mile. Boy, yeah, uh, man. Andy Reid. He was there last Monday, too, when I was there at camp. I was like, I should have met Kurt Warner, man. He's a nice guy, man. He's a really nice Mm guy. Mm -hmm. He really is. He's the most – and he's so down to earth because he, you know, he had such a struggle to get into the NFL and stay. You know, it it was – the guy was sacking groceries when he got called up. He was working at the IV in Iowa, dude. I mean, he wasn't – Iowa was. Yeah. It's crazy how good – and I remember those Iowa high V days. I spent a lot of time in a high V when I was in Iowa playing baseball. And let me tell you, that was the best thing ever when you're a broke ass college dude. Shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, 25 yeah. cent boxes of high V macaroni and cheese. We made all kinds of shit with that stuff. We created <laughs> shit with macaroni and cheese, bro. People come over. What the hell are you making? Oh, that's a, that's gourmet shit right there, man. Don't fuck around my 25 cent macaroni. <laughs> I lived on that shit until I got called up. <laughs> but yeah, man, it, uh, you know, I, I I think Mitchell will probably, if we need him, he'll be there. I know he's staying in shape. He looks actually thinner to me when I saw him on that uh, video. He, does. he looks thinner, so I think he's really bulk. You know, he's he's helping himself stay in shape and working working on. You know, you got to have that weight when you're an offensive lineman, but strength that also helps too. You know, when you're strong. He also is trying to, if he does come back, I guess for him, he knows he's not the fastest guy. I think he's also trying to work on getting quicker too. Because also, if we also take this in mind with the weight loss, Derek Johnson always said that he also lost some weight as well. People were like, Derek, are you sure to do that? He said, well, for me, it's a way to stay on this field, especially losing the weight mm-hmm. to stay with the quicker guys in the league. And I thought, okay, yep. that's a good way of putting it. It really with Derek. is. Yeah, I mean, look at Anthony Hitchens has lost weight and he's fast too. Yeah. I mean, look what Joe Thomas turned into after he retired. Holy shit. He's like yeah, a, a god, bro. man. He's like a freaking Adonis. I mean, he's he's in great condition. So uh, probably the best looking Brown I ever seen, you know, as far as coming out. Chris and, Jones you know, is another guy. Chris, mm-hmm. I think like 10 pounds. And yeah. he looks like a built defensive end. Yeah, he does. And I love the fact that they moved him down, man. I love it. He's going to explode in that position. I, people don't even realize how good he's going to be. He's going to be our Calais Campbell, but oh, better, man. man. I'm like, oh, he's gonna be yes. yep. Like Calais from the man. Jaguars. Yeah. He's going to be scary. He's going to be scary. I'm going to tell you. And so, then you add Aaron Reed to the mix. Yeah, and 
I believe what also you got to take this in mind. I believe with the addition of having Chris playing the edge and then kicking them inside with Jaron Reed, who also brings not only his skill set as a well-known run defender, but this guy had six and a half. I think he had, I believe, six and a half sacks last season. If he was Ooh. on the roster last year, he would be the second leader in sacks on the team if he was on the team last year. Yeah. So that's saying something there. Well, and I think with the move, too, you're right. I think with the move, it's going to be, you know, Everybody complained about the sack totals last year. Look, it was a totally different defense. People need to realize that you don't have two guys that are going after 15 sacks. You got four or five guys that make it five to seven sacks. Yeah. That's normally how it works with this style of defense. Yeah. When we switched, you know, four, three, three, four, that's a totally different thing. So everybody has to realize that. And I think with him, with that move and that transition, oh Lord. And then the help that Frank's gonna get. Oh my god, man. Oh, finally. Yeah, finally. And Everybody's full, bitching about no, his contract. And it'll, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. What'd you say? No, go ahead. Go ahead, Caleb. No, I'll say Philip needs to tell me what he was talking about. Kanda, what he thought. Because what JP was saying, we transitions right to that. Well, go ahead. Okay. Um, Kando, if you guys look at his measurements, he ran like a 4-7. That's very good for a defensive end, an edge rusher. Um the guy who I, he's like, to me, in my opinion, like a poor man's Marcus Davenport, but he has the potential to be way better than Davenport. And this is the thing you got to look at him. Guess where his best season at Florida State came from? It was in the final season of uh, Derek Nottie's career with Florida State. So there's the connection of how the Chiefs got mm. Kando, because Derek Nottie probably said, hey, y'all, you should guys get Kando because uh, he's a very speed, good speed rusher. He came out of the same recruiting classes, uh, Chase Young, and uh, a very good guy around the edge. And he brings some of the similar skill set, especially his bull rush and his rip move and the length he has. He, he look at his uh, relative athletic score, his relative athletic score is like 9.48, I believe. And that's similar to Max Crosby of the Raiders. And I even said, I kept saying like, this guy has Max Crosby, Crosby written all over him. And he was listed too as the best power rushing defensive end in the draft class too, coming out too. And that's the skill set, even though the sacks and the injury concerns, but also I remember guys, especially like Ken Swanson and some of those guys from the KC Sports uh, Network and even some guys from Arrowhead Pride mentioning Florida State's coaches don't know how to coach some of these players up. Another great example is that same group from Florida State, you had Josh Sweat from the Eagles. He had, I believe, six sacks last year with the Eagles. Uh, you have uh, you have Brian Burns, Pro Bowl edge rusher from the Panthers, and then there was Naughty. Yeah. So Burns had ten sacks coming out of Florida State that last uh, senior year. But I believe because you know he had the talent in the world, but I feel like Kando because he was still dealing with some injury concerns, and they was counting on him to uh, be the guy to step up after Burns. He was dealing with all that, plus the coaches weren't that good. But now when you're with a four-time Super Bowl winning coach and Brandon Daly, oh yeah, man. It's just like Michael Bennett. He's going to be a better pro than he was a college player. That's my thing about Kano. He has mm -hmm. the potential. And he might have the potential, depending on like, let's say, with Okafor's uh, injury and uh, whatever happens between Taco Charlton, you know, if Taco doesn't take that the snaps away from him, him or Mike Dana, I think Kano has the potential of being like this year's luxurious sneak for us. Well, I tell you this, mm. by the way, speaking about Dana and Taco, that was two other players that uh, 
I was told they are extremely impressed with. Dana is a totally different player than he was. They said he's night and day compared to what he was last year. And they said the same thing about, um, about, uh, uh, damn, I can't, my mind's slipping. Um, who are we just talking about? Not Dan, Dan, uh, Taco. Pando. Yeah, Taco. Uh, I guess they're just uh, totally different. I, you know, when you bring in players in the draft that are just phenomenal players, the guys that you have are going to step it up because they don't have any other choice. They can either step it up or get cut. And right now, everybody wants to make this roster. So they're doing everything they can to prove themselves. And that's what's happening. From what I'm understanding, that's what's happening in camp. You know, everybody made a big deal about a few interceptions Mahomes threw. He had three in one day or something. And, you know, it is camp. They're, they're, they're trying to – that means nothing compared to real-world situations. But they're also trying to throw different things at Mahomes so he can get acclimated to something that somebody may think they got figured out about him, which nobody's yet to figure him out yet other than the referees But in the Super Bowl. But uh, uh, it's just part of, you know, the camp, and that's just how it works out. Yes, is it important? Hell yeah, it is. Um, do you learn a lot? Hell yeah, you do. Uh, that's basically, you know, between that and a few preseason games, that's where you make your final 53-man roster. But right. you have to realize that, you know, they're throwing different situations at Mahomes. They're putting different situations on every one of these defensive players with the best quarterback in the NFL so they can see how great they actually are, how much they can adapt to that situation. And right now, from what I'm hearing, there's no complaints out of the Chiefs camp. Everybody is – they're talking in closed doors about how great these people are. This ain't shit that they're saying just so good. somebody else can hear it. This is stuff that they're talking like, hey, <laughs> what the fuck are we going to do? How are we going to make a cut this year? That's the biggest thing I heard was yeah. they're saying, man, this is going to be the hardest yeah. year to cut people out of any year we've had and since 13. That's going to be the hardest year to cut well, people. The- Real quick, what do you guys say that are going to be your players that could be on the bubble? I'm kind of curious. Like, what are you guys' thoughts there? I know we haven't hit the first preseason, but, like, is there any guys you're thinking that they could possibly be cut? The only uh, one Phillip, that I can do you have any? Is, go ahead, Philip. Oh, wow. Man, all right. So, I had this list. You guys probably saw it on uh, Twitter uh, probably, like, a week ago around that span. Okay. Um, the one person that comes to mind already in my mind is Armani Watts. Uh Devon Key has is has taken his spot. And the thing about Key is yep. he was the leading tackler on his team at Western Kentucky in his senior year. He was a team leader. And uh, I look at his uh, relative athletic score. Uh, you know who what player that comes to mind when I think of him and what the Chiefs are trying to do? Cameron Curl from the Washington football team. He was uh, hmm. pro football focuses, all rookie team safety. And the thing about it is Ke- Devon Key has a better R-A-S score then Cameron Curl coming out so I'm like oh okay and he went undrafted and Cameron Curl remember was drafted out of Arkansas in the seventh round so I'm like okay Beach has found this year's Tershawn Wharton and his name is Devon Key so I feel like and then you have you know Watts missing some time with his uh, uh, being on the PUP list and everything like that I'm like yeah man I really think that's another thing and then I thought at first he was going to be gone because Will Park was another name that, you know, like 
Yeah, Will Parsons is another name I see he's on the bubble. Not to say he's a bad player, it's just that what the Chiefs are going with, especially like we read what Scott Pelley said, that how the 53-man roster is built, you got to go with what you already have established. And then especially when you add certain guys, especially like when you say Key, you like what he brings to the table and the type of player mm-hmm. he is. And I really like what I'm hearing out of camp. And uh, the fact that right now uh, it's between him and Thornhill, and I think, you know, Thornhill, he's still going, Thornhill's going to be okay, but. He's in he, right now again, so. Yeah, but yeah, Marty Watts, that's one guy. And I know Caleb's not going to like this one, I'm going to say, man. Um, but I would not be surprised if he's still here because he's a Dave Tobe guy. Uh, Dorian O'Daniel, because when I went there, because I remember Caleb before I went up there on the second, <laughs> he asked me, bro, check on Dorian O'Daniel and tell Damn. me what's going on. So <laughs> this is the story. Darius Harris, bro, just like last year, if you watched that Falcons game, it sounds like Darius Harris has taken mm-hmm. his spot from that standpoint. But then remember, the final roster spots are determined by the special teams coach, especially Uncle Dave. And he like he loves uh or O'Daniel and I and I think O'Daniel has a shot to stay and if, if it's if Harris is not on the rock 53 man he's still gonna be on the practice squad but you gotta also take the connection between Darius Harris and Charvarius Ward because they were college teammates at Middle Tennessee State and um that is a name I'm looking at right there is uh well between those two it's definitely Dorian O'Daniel versus Darius Harris um virus well dang okay I well, know it's going to be Kaiser, but Kaiser retired when I put, posted, put mm-hmm. that out. Um, I first had Al Goretti, but based off of these injuries, I see him saying, because now with these office linemen, especially guys with the experience, like Al Goretti playing left guard last year, he is a valuable piece who's going to stay. So then that leads me to, um, I don't see Tim Ward staying. Uh, Damone Harris. Yeah, I know, agree. For a few years, you know, he has a, especially you got somebody like Kando and the talent he has and you got Taco Charlton and Mike Dana and as you brought up Mike Dana JP if Mike Dana returns back to his 2018 pro football focus all-american form that he was at Central Michigan to that standard um we got something because he could take a step forward like uh LJ Collier out of uh, who came from a TCU play with the Seahawks, who was teammates with Jaron Reed. And I can see the same thing with Tayshawn Wharton because I was thinking with Wharton's measurables as well. He runs a 4 7 as well. Wharton's doing I don't try him out at the end as well. Because yeah. and Wharton's I've seen, really I've seen well. him go against um, Trey Smith, and I like those one on one battles. I've been watching, man. So, yeah. uh, but anyway, uh, who else do I see uh, not making it on the roster? Um, man, I first thought Bo Pete Keys. Uh, wasn't gonna make it, but Bo Pete has actually been making some noise as well. Yeah. DeAndre Baker, he's definitely gonna stay too, man. You gotta keep Baker and um, oh, Baker ain't anywhere. Yeah, but Mike Hughes, I think Mike Hughes definitely is gonna be the guy on the right side. And Charvarius Ward, I think he's going to, like I said, he's gonna have his contract year, bro, and you're gonna ball out. But other than that, those are the guys I could think of. So, like, um, Watts. Willie Parks, uh, Dorian O'Daniel, or Darius Harris, um, Tim Ward, uh, Damon Harris, uh, Prince, Prince, uh, well, Prince is Prince Wager. He's gonna go on the practice squad, in my opinion. Um, yeah, other than yeah. that, oh, Darren 
Thompson, bro, uh, either he might be cut or trade bait. That's just my opinion. Because if you remember, we signed DeAndre Washington last year. When I looked at his stats oh, okay. coming out of 2019 with the Raiders, I thought, okay, here's somebody who can replace like LaShawn McCoy. And he rarely fumbled the ball. You know what I mean? There's nothing against Shady and everything like that. Because I just feel like, you know, certain things catch up with you at certain moments and everything like that. But they traded him to the Dolphins. So I can see the same thing happening with Darwin Thompson there. But we'll see what happens there. I don't That's know, man. I tell you what, I'm hearing good things about Thompson, too. I, I, they think he's okay. something right now. I don't know. i tell you who I think is probably not going to make it as far as the offensive side of the ball. One of them right off the bat, I think Peter's done. I yeah, that, that's it. Obvious. Yeah, man. Sorry, yeah. I think he's done. Um, I think he's just done. I, I agree with Philip on pretty much everybody he said. Um, you know, you got 90 guys. What are we sitting 91 guys right now? 90 guys? 90. And Armani has not been um, – I like Armani. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a good dude. But he's, he's not been um, – it seems like to me that he's not been very, um, how should I say this, invested, especially this offseason. Um, he spent the entire summer, the entire summer, check me out on Twitch. Check me out on Twitch. I'm playing war games. Check me out on Twitch. Look, I don't think I've seen that from anybody other than retired guys. And Juju, I don't think I've seen that. <laughs> I just don't think I've seen that from anybody else. Now I understand, you know, he had his whatever his issue was, but he didn't pass his physical apparently at first. But uh, I don't know, man. I just don't see him making it this year, Armani. I just don't see it happening. And I, th- I had big hopes for that kid. I really did. I thought he was going to be, you know, an amazing player that was just sitting in the back background waiting. But I don't know, man. It's going to be tough. You got so much talent on this team. It's unbelievable how much talent we have, not just from the starters, but we have so much depth in talent. It's insane. It's insane how much talent we actually have on this team. And the guys that may not be superstars right now, give them till week six. Because <laughs> they will be. I mean, it's that simple. Mm-hmm. It is. It's that simple. One yeah. last thing, man, I want to go over real quick. Hold on, I got. I gotta say, I gotta say my piece about Dora oh, Daniel. Man, go ahead. I'm just out. Uh, I'm okay. sorry, man. All I'm gonna say is this: I love Armani. I know you're good, bro. I love Armani Watts. I remember learning about him because it this before I found a Chiefs focus, but I saw an article from Arrowhead Attic, and they were talking about how there's a player that they could possibly go. He was a player they could possibly go after, and when they signed him, when they drafted, him, I was like, oh man, we got another maybe a mini Eric Berry. His first season in the NFL. He did pretty good. He got injured. It was over. It seems like after that, he's been struggling. Yeah. Now, I don't know what he's been doing behind the scenes. We see what he's done on Twitter. I mean, he I know he just had a baby. I mean, you already know. Man, I don't have no kids, but from what I've heard from my friends, it's a lot. So I'm hoping he can possibly <laughs> make the roster in some sort. Or It's true, man. Some it sort of some capacity. No, man, you know, you know, man, you have three kids. You know yeah. how, exactly how hard it is. And, and that, dude, that but, shit um, ain't easy when they're two. Or they ain't easy when they're 22. So, yep, that's uh, true. You know. <laughs> But no, Armani wants. I, I hope so. I hope maybe they keep him on the roster. But I don't know. We'll see that. But my main piece about Dornell Daniel. <clears throat> Dornell Daniel in 2018 was our second best defensive player. 
on that whole horrific defense that was ranked 31st in National Football League. He was a rookie. You had Chris Jones, then you had Dorno Daniel. Those are the two guys you can say Eric Berry and all that, but that was the year where he was day-to-day, day-to-day, and you could also add in Sorensen as the third or fourth best pick and choose. All I'm saying is Darnell Daniel, when you needed him the most, he balled out as a defender, a linebacker. He was playing side to side on sideline. He was doing kind of what I saw maybe a small uh, book Derek Johnson did in his early career. So you're telling me you changed the defense over and you're telling me Darnell Daniel cannot, cannot seem to get on the field. That makes no sense to me. He has some talent. He shouldn't just be playing special teams, in my opinion. And I know, Philip, you don't agree with me, man, but I'm saying is this. I'm not, dis- I'm Daniel not disagreeing in- with you. I'm, <laughs> I'm not disagreeing. I'm just telling you guys, though. I love Odorno Daniel because this man has really cut him every single step. And I think he just deserves to have a chance in the rotation or something. There was no way. Ben Neiman should be starting over here. I'm just going to say that right here. I agree. Yeah. Right now. Oh, ben yeah. Neiman should not be over Dornell Daniel. Dornell Daniel is more lateral. He can move and he can actually tackle. He's not going to wait in the guy run past him. He's not going to jump at a weird angle and the guy's going to fall. Dornell Daniel made that team for a reason. He helped in that first season he's with the Chiefs. And after since that, he just hasn't got the fair shakes. Now, you can say he's played here or there, especially against the uh, Titans AC Championship game. He had a couple plays. I remember that. But you guys got to get him in there. He, this, he, he could, like, like, like Phillips said, yeah, he could cut. And all I'm going to say is this. He should, if this is going to be a last season, let him just get a chance and get on the field. And you guys will know what I'm talking about. Give it three months from now. We'll be hearing about Dorno Daniel is doing really good in the rotation with Bolton, um, with, with Bolton, Hitchens, and everyone else. Just this well, way. the thing. I mean, you might see, I rest you my might case. see him stay, bro, because <laughs> you got a couple guys that, in my opinion, I think, and that's somebody I didn't think about, even though they did sign him to a one-year contract, is Ben Neiman. And in my opinion, Neiman, again, I'm not a coach. I'm not on the field with these guys. So I don't know as much as they know. I never pretend to. But I don't know if Neiman's going to be able to make it, man. I just don't know. I don't so think you so. You might see this Wow. Because yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell you this, because remember when I, when the first time I was on here, I'll mention we got to get somebody to challenge Ben Neiman. And we got that with Nick Bolton, thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the thing, though. Um, ben Neiman, I still see him staying. I think this is like when I listen to this from Nate Taylor, he was on the Kingdom Cash Out to those guys, uh, Boogie Country and uh, Bad Luck Chuck. Uh, if you guys listen to this uh, mm-hmm. right here. So anyway, uh, he did mention with Ben Neiman, I know some fans are iffy about him returning, but there is something you got to take into consideration. He's an undrafted player. Um, this is his fourth year coming into the National Football League, especially with the Chiefs. If he if he makes it with the Chiefs into his fourth year with the team, even if he goes into 2022 and he doesn't play with an NFL team next year, he's qualified to make the NFL pension. And I think that might be a reason why the Chiefs will keep him. And I think that'd be what's up. he keep him as a death piece. And also the concept is this, he knows the playbook. He's been there. And also you gotta take this into consideration, Caleb. 
you don't know what happens behind closed doors. You don't know what I've seen enough at this point. I'm yeah. sorry, man. <laughs> right, bro. You don't know the relationships between the line position coaches like Matt House and Dorian O'Daniel. Cause you know, it starts with the position coach. Then the position coach talks to the defensive coordinator and says, like, I think this guy's ready to go. Like if you watch Hard Knocks like last night with the Cowboys, of course we can make fun of some of mm-hmm. these teams that are on here. But I like looking at some of the things like I like the process of how they evaluate these players because especially where I'm at now and being with in the National Football League for now my fourth season it's like now I'm there with those guys in that room like dang I understand what you guys are talking about now like when you guys are evaluating these players I I understand the process and also building that relationship and also what they can do well like Hitchens you already know how established Hitchens was coming out of Dallas coming into Kansas City and then Reggie mm-hmm. Ragger come on former mm-hmm. college football American I think he was SEC defensive mm-hmm. player of the year coming out of Alabama um yeah. yeah man like when you bring Steve Spagnola like he did what he could to fit it like for example I'll give you a one great example and then when they brought Damian Wilson who you know Hitchens knew out of Dallas and I thought that was great for them to plug that mm-hmm. in because I remember this too I remember Nick Jacobs, a shout out to Nick, man. It's nothing against you, man. But it's just that me and him kind of went back and forth. And he said, bro, I don't think that he told me this. There's no way I think that, that Spagnuolo is going to put Reggie Ragland at strong side linebacker. And I was like, and I should have said, you want to bet me $20, Nick? Because what happened? <laughs> He started strong side linebacker all the way to the Super Bowl we won, bro. I'm like, wow. You know where I got that inspiration from? The 2007 season, same thing. When Spag Nola had Kawika Mitchell, our chief former linebacker, Kawika Mitchell. Same thing. Mm-hmm. He was a former middle linebacker. But when Spags got there, Spags switched him to the outside. And it worked. Because you've got to have a player of that caliber play out there, especially a former All-American, former guy, dominator, dominating star coming out of the SEC conferences of all conferences of college football. Like, yeah. So, yeah, man. I don't know, man. I'm a little on the fence with Dorian O'Daniel. I mean, I I think he's a phenomenal player, and I think he could just get better and better. I just don't know. I don't know. You know, I and I Caleb knows this. My family knows Ben Neiman's family. My sister-in-law went to school with his his wife and all this shit. And my father-in-law, rest in peace, was like a big Ben Neiman fan because he knew him. And I'm like, I told my father-in-law one day, I said, you know, uh, he ain't that good. And he goes, what? And I said, he's really not that good right now. I said, I mean, I understand, you, you know, you like him and all, but uh, yeah, he he's not doing where well. And he's missing a lot right now. And yeah, bro. It was so Every crazy. Time blitzes. Yeah, it was crazy because I think that was at one point O'Daniel stepped in during a game that we were watching, and O'Daniel just had a phenomenal few series. And thank you, was, thank I you. Said, That's actually high school. Even right. should be playing this position. And he said, wow. And I said, yeah, he's a beast. I said, that's the thing. He's a beast. And he's got the talent. I've always thought he had the talent. Now, I don't know why they would ever reach. Now, the only thing I could say about Neiman that maybe they were thinking is depth. Because maybe they need the depth in that position, which they do. I mean, you need depth in every position. But maybe they thought, okay, well, you know, he's a good backup maybe. I, I, I don't know what else to say. I know he does have a relationship with a lot of guys in that you know, within 
the Chiefs organization, and that's fine, but relationships aren't business. And we've learned that the hard way so many times when it comes to these mm-hmm. players. I mean, look how long Dieter's hung out because he's best friends with Mahomes. Right. He ain't been on the field, man. I still feel like he could play slot if need be. In a situation, just give him some time. I think he could play slot. Well, I know I you look at me funny, man, but I, I'm just saying. I'm just well, saying, here's the thing. Philip, I think it's possible. How many times have you seen? Not over McCole. No. But how many times have you seen a player go on the injury retirement list and then come back the next year and they just re-sign him? Nobody would have done that. Okay, I mean, it just wouldn't have happened. If it wasn't for Mahomes, that would have never happened. I'm sorry, but it's just it's just something that I, I truly believe, and I think that's the reason why he's still out there, and he's extremely quiet. He had a little bit of a flash, what he caught two passes or something in in, uh, in uh, St. Joe, maybe three. I don't know, but I don't know, man. I think he's done. And I, as much as I like the kid and he's a nice guy and all that, I think he's done too. It, yeah. it, relationships can only take you so far. And Andy learned that. Andy learned that with yeah. that pile of shit we had for a defensive coordinator, especially the last two years. Okay, look, you can only use three schemes for so long, and everybody's going to figure your ass out. The one thing that he, the one, I can't say the one thing, there was many things he screwed up on, but one thing that irritated the shit out of me was that he would take a player like Justin Houston and say, hey, man, go chase that. Put him in coverage. Yeah. Why would you put a guy against Antonio Brown? I'm like, that was the dumbest shit I ever seen. Why would you ever do something like that? I remember watching Anthony Hitchens chase Armani. Was it Amari Cooper down the field in a Raiders game? Oh. He was 15 yards mm-hmm. behind Cooper, but he was the one covering him. I said, That was that's stupid. What that's the stupid. hell kind of crack is Sutton on that he would do something like that? Now, what Spags did, and people don't realize this, but do you remember the last season Sutton was here and we had the worst defense ever for the first? six games and then all of a sudden from six to nine our defense went from 31st to 17th and then from week 11 we went back to 31st again that was because we had some help okay we had an advisor helping during that time right now Mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense nobody understood this shit at the time and i said this on twitter like seven times and everybody said i don't know what the hell you're talking about well Somebody that wasn't a defensive coordinator at that time that was sitting at home enjoying themselves got called and said, hey, can you come and help us? Because we suck. We're having a hell of a time here. We got a 300-pound guy chasing down a wide receiver for no reason. We got a 245-pound guy that runs a 5-0-40 chasing down Amari Cooper. We need your help. And those weeks helped tremendously but it also turned into our defensive coordinator. Now. He should have been fired after that Colts playoff game. Oh, shit. Yep. Well, yep. that's, that's my I point. I thought the moment after that game, I said it fire Bob Sutton, right? I was, I'm oh, like, God. why was he still here, man? Well, the, day the he memories said, you bringing up now. Well, the day he said, uh, I don't okay. care how many yards they get on the field as long as they don't get in the end zone. <laughs> that set me off the the reservation. I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? The more yards they get, the more chances they have of getting in the end zone, you old bastard. Exactly. What the hell are you saying, man? Where did this come from? Alzheimer's kicked in. That is wrong. Yeah, don't say I, I, don't know I, I don't know where I'm at. I'm I mean, dementia's old. all fucked up when it comes to shit, and that's really a, the telltale sign when somebody says something like that. So anyway, 
fast forward and you look at the players that we've got that, yeah, they needed to gel that first year with Sutton. I mean, with uh, Spags. They needed to gel a little bit, which we the they Super Bowl, did. Though. And we went to the Super Bowl. Okay. Now, let's look at everything, all the moves that he's made since moving positions. Okay. Positional players. That is the first thing you do. Chris Jones is a fantastic, fantastic edge rusher. Okay. He's great in that position. Why he was never there is beyond the scope of my imagination because honest to God, he belonged there. He belongs in the position they're putting him in right now. They just, I understand they didn't have the help. I understand that may not have had the people to fill his shoes. And I get that part because it takes time to build up a team. It takes time to find the right guys to fit within our system that can play his position. But again, everybody was bitching and complaining because he didn't have all these sacks. Well, you can't have sacks if you're in the wrong position. You have no help. No different than Frank Clark. Everybody's bitching about his contract. Look, the dude had zero help. No help. He was out there by himself. Every once in a while, he had a tight end that helped him. Everyone, I mean, uh, uh, not a tight end, but a, 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 a defensive, uh, a, 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 a damn man, a secondary guy come up. But very, very rare did that happen. He was out there by himself all the fucking time. Exactly. Don't bitch about his contract and don't, you're not paying him. Okay. Right. Nobody, I don't pay him. You don't pay him. Nobody on Twitter pays his ass. Who cares how much money the Chiefs decided to give up on a player? They know. They're not stupid. They know how much that they That was market value at the time, too. You can't get mad at him. That was market value. And exactly. BG said that on our show. Exactly, man. Exactly. And, and everybody was still mad about D Ford. And then once we get all this stuff, it's like, I know we want perfection, but we can't get perfection. That's the whole point of why practice makes perfect and stuff exactly. like that. And on top of that, come on. You make the decisions, you be Brandon Daly, and you put all your alignment that you have out there, see who is the best ones out there, and see if they can help each other out. Like, exactly. come on, like, you have Wharton, for example. Mm -hmm. Wharton's a very good player. But, yeah, Wharton, and not to say that Wharton couldn't help Frank Clark out, but when you are an opposing team and you look at his frame and everything, it's like, oh, that's easy. He might be strong, but we could double team him. That's yeah. easy. We could double team Chris Jones. We could double team. Mm -hmm. We could have something to come up with blocking Frank Clark. You know, yep. get the ball out quickly, like Tom Brady does sometimes. As much as I don't, we don't like talking about that name around here and all that other stuff. There's one thing Don't I will bastard. give him credit for. Sorry, he is the best quick ball thrower of the ball, and that's it, right? Because that's the whole point. You take all those things to account. That's why these people, I can't stand it. And let me tell you what it really is about Frank Clark. They don't like the fact that he talks shit and he talks that shit back. It's the same thing when Tupac Shakur was around. When Pac was around, they didn't like the way that he talked back to people. And it's the same thing with Frank Clark. Let me just basically say it. They don't like black men that talk back. And look, it ain't like that we're bad or anything like that. It's just we're human beings. And yeah, man, we have a style, we have a flavor. Like Frank Clark, he comes from LA. He comes from LA and you know, he acts off of where he comes from, just like Suge Knight and all those guys who grew up in those areas. They act off of where they come from, man. And yes, he went to school, he became a better person, but at the same time as a black man and understand the pressures that you're going through in this society, you also want to like not forget where you came from. And that's the thing about Frank that stands out about me to him. And he's a real dude, a real dude. And that's why I was so happy when we 
talked at the Super Bowl parade and we took the picture, man, because I believed in this dude, man. And also believed that his story and where he came from, just like you look at Dennis Rodman in the last dance stories, the Steve Kerr and them, that's the same type of story I see from Frank Clark. And I'm like, we need that type of player and that mentality on his team. D Ford, oh, I did that. Then I ain't do that. Like, oh, Lord. like, come on, man. Yes, you was on the other line, you idiot. Come on. You know, well, though, in, let me tell Roger, you something. Nothing against D Ford. I'm not trying to bash D Ford. No, no, I, no, it's true because D Ford, in my opinion, he played to get a contract. He played like, you know, he had a back injury his first, what, four years in the league. He played mm -hmm. pretty shitty. And then all of a sudden, his back was perfect his contract year. But if that would have been a Patriots player that was one knuckle in, that would have never been called. It would have been a warning. Everybody knows that. I, well, I would say this, that that caused typically a warning per se. And it's kind of 2020 hindsight when you see D4 got called for that. And then you look at the Super Bowl when the Chiefs tossed to the Buccaneers where Antonio Hamilton asked, hey, and we're not going to go into depth. I'll say, hey, am I on side or am I good? And they said, yeah. And yeah. then they threw a penalty. Exactly. So it just shows you overall consistency. And I think that's the next topic you're trying to go into, JP. Oh, God, yeah. The overall consistency when it comes to penalties it's like there's no rhyme or reason. Yeah, we know some crews are gonna be more lax, so days are cold holdings and something. But something, but they're gonna be very, very, very tight on when it comes to defensive pass interference and stuff like that. It just shows you there's no really like common ground. It seems like you can call a hole in every single play on offense and linemen, but you don't. It calls it calls yeah. sometimes the most critical places though. Oh, I know, and you know, and it's so obvious when <laughs> certain people are out on the field how easy it is for them to call a penalty against the opposing team. And they probably yeah. do that from home because they cater to him. What I, I mean, I'm not going to complain, and this happened to Brady and other court payment and the stuff in the past, but it's kind of like sometimes we're like, there is no consistency. Mahomes can get, get knocked up, hit in the head, and have a bloody nose. They'd be like, what, what penalty are you talking about? Exactly, oh, but yeah. Chris Jones can hit Tom Brady or hit Peyton Manning, or he hit Drew Locke on the arm. Barely they call uh, Ooh, it's rough, he does, they call he, rough in the past. Yeah. Like, yeah, that T Sizzle stuff. That's why I love T Sizzle, man. That's what I wish we had back last season, especially when he get on the field with Brady. Oh man, that's what I what I was hoping for too. Like if he had came back, oh yeah, he would love to get back at Brady too, man. Especially well, we talk about that story. Yeah, this is why I hate Brady. Remember that game against uh us against the Patriots where I fell by his knee? Like I fell by his knee and he was hopping around like this and he was pointing at the referee, like <laughs> ref, look, look, he got me, ref. Look, he got me. Like yeah. I hate that. And they ain't gonna smile like, yeah, he deserved to get penalized and smile like all I'm going to say is they're coming for Brady. Tom Matthew is coming for Brady. They're oh, coming hey, for Brady. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be a good time. I can't wait. Yeah. yeah, especially what happened last year. We're not going to get into specifics, but I will tell you this. This defense is pissed. They have looked a lot hey, better. Oh, yeah. That's why I think the interceptions is happening with Mahomes because it's not Mahomes' fault. This defense is playing out of their minds. Like, they're ready. Man, oh, yeah, man. And that's, about, that's the point I was trying to make <laughs> earlier. You got to think about this. If they're going against the best quarterback in the NFL, the really one of the best offensive lines, if you really think about it, they may they may have to gel a little bit, but they're beasts. And then you got the best wide receiver, the best tight ends. How is he gonna fail against quarterbacks that are nowhere near as good as him? He ain't. He it ain't gonna happen. That was my point. That's why they're putting so much emphasis on that defensive side of the ball and getting those interceptions because they want to see what they can do against the best. So when they don't have to go against the best, they remember they did. 
And that's my point. Now, mm -hmm. we are running out of time, but let's get this last thing in. Hey, man, this is a jam pack before the preseason. It's all right. All right it bro. really is. Look at this bullshit. It's the no fun league again. What the? I'm sorry. Well, but it makes no dang. sense. Look, we went from. What the fuck is going on, Caleb? Brady's, Brady's boy Goodell at it again. Let's just hope that uh, we get a new commissioner by the name of Peyton Manning. So <laughs> Honestly, I'll be honest with you in this. I've been saying we've needed a new commissioner commissioner because Goodell, Goodell does not seem relatable. He's not. I don't think he understands. Okay, I don't know if, Well, I lack don't know if he's played football, but from what I've come from personal experience and watching kind of college football and stuff and – seeing these excessive celebration penalties, it seems like the people who make these penalties are the guys who could never make it on the field. And even yeah. if they did, they weren't great. Like, how are you going to tell someone they do a spectacular, say Mahomes is spectacular, behind the back touchdown, Kelsey catches one hand in the end zone, he's running around, and the end zone happening, they throw the ball like a bomb, everyone falls down, and they call a penalty on the kickoff. You're telling me some a great play like that cannot be celebrated? Now I can understand if someone's going and trying to act like they're pissing on the ball or they're mooning the fans like Randy Moss did and Joe Buck went, oh, what a travesty. When you're looking at this in the day, this is a National Football League. It should not be the no-fun league. It's not for long for a reason. So if a player, if a player can have a play where they do something spectacular, they should be able to celebrate. This is a no-fun league. Three, I think the average at JP and Philip is three and a half years. Three and a half a years. player who gets in the, gets gets in gets in their career. So if they could at least make one good play, they should be able to celebrate. Well, I mean, God forbid. It, let me say this: God forbid Dieter catches a crazy touchdown pass, catches a touchdown pass from Holmes and goes crazy because yeah. Dieter, we know. I know how everyone has different feelings, but he has grinded and gotten to this point in his career. So you're telling me they're gonna start penalizing? First, you guys let players celebrate. They celebrate. And we can go and say this. <clears throat> they don't like that Anton Winfield did the peace sign of Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill did the peace sign for, what, two years? Two and they years, were three years. What he did so was he got, a, yeah, he got gloves that had the peace sign on his gloves. Yeah. So he just held his hand up. Exactly. And he's technically still doing the peace sign without them really realizing. Yeah. So all I'm trying to say is this. I know I'm very hyped. But when it no, comes down okay. to the end of the day, players need to express themselves. This is not the corporate world where everything has to be professional, slick back suit, slick back hair, uh, nice shoes like you're going to church. I mean, this is the National Football League where these guys are coming to play. And they're sacrificing their bodies. And you're telling me they cannot celebrate? Yeah, What's probably going to end up happening? And and, and I, know, I don't know how you feel about this, Philip, and Andre Pian talked about this. But last year when they had the play where defensive pass interference can be reviewed, we were talking about uh, – JP and I were saying there's going to be a game costed because of this penalty. Now, granted, that didn't happen because all does all this can happen. <clears throat> Quarterback Matthew Stafford said he throws the ball to uh, Kenny Galladay on a on a uh, fourth on a fourth and long, basically hell. There's a defensive penalty, defensive pass interference penalty called. You can't end the game in a defensive penalty, so they get the ball on the one yard line. They score a touchdown against the Packers. That causes the Packers to drop in the standings, and they end up losing next week in the playoffs. You guys see what I'm saying? The ripple yeah. effect that one call can affect on the whole entire standings. This is same thing can happen when it comes to excessive celebration penalties. Yep. Let's say this. Broncos go against the Chargers. They get a touchdown in the last second. They sex the celebration penalty. Move the ball back 15 yards to the kick. They're up by two. When they kick the ball, the, uh, the, uh, the Chargers get a little bit of room on the, running the ball up from the kickoff. 
They get the field goal, they win the game. All because 15 yard difference really means something. We cannot be going backwards. We need to be going forwards exactly. in order to help them make the green gator greater end of the day. Because everyone was enjoying those touchdown celebrations. You can't tell me we can we can't we can go back from that. It's gonna be interesting what's gonna happen. Well, I remember when they, you know, when they stopped it the first time and they said you can't spike the ball, you can't do this, you can't do that. They still allowed Tony Gonzalez to, to dunk the ball. But, you know, Chad Johnson and a few other guys decided to put cell phones in the goalposts and, you know, like they were calling their mom and all this other crazy shit. And that's fine. I mean, yeah, oh. granted, somebody, I remember somebody specifically, uh, which I think was Randy Moss, if I'm not mistaken, uh, he took out a Sharpie one time and signed the football and threw it into the stands, which that was a $10,000 fine back then. Terrell Owens who did that one. Yeah, it was Terrell Owens. T.O. Uh, yeah. And I remember back in the day, he, if I'm not mistaken, he got fined ten or twenty grand for doing that. Because if you if a ball went into the into the stands, they in their mindset they thought, well, if somebody gets injured with that ball, then because you tossed it into the stands, then we're going to get sued, so you're going to get fined for it. Well, then they took away all celebrations. They allowed Tony to dunk the ball for a while, then they cut that off. They said you can't do that. Then they decided to bring celebrations back, which is fine. None of these guys are taking this to an extreme. None of them. They spike the ball, they dance, they do whatever they want to do. They're not doing anything. Okay, here's a great example. I looked at this play and I thought it was total bullshit. And I'm not a Broncos fan by any means. But uh, wide receiver Devontae Dukes was just flagged by the crew for spinning the ball in the direction after a touchdown. He spun the ball in the direction, in the direction of the cornerback, Cam uh, Dantzler, after winning a 50-50 ball in practice. Okay, let me, I looked at it. He wasn't even looking at the CB. He wasn't looking at Cam at all. He got up, spun the ball, and Cam just happened to be standing there. And when he looked up, he saw him. Okay, he didn't hit him with the ball. Josh Allen threw a ball at Chris Jones's face last year. Hit him in the face. In the yep. fucking face. And even, and even again. Yeah, bro, I remember that. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, that was pretty pathetic. Yeah, yeah. That, that was a pitch one move, over, no matter how you look yeah. at it. When yeah, Okafor got him in the ground move. and he threw that Okafor, yeah, I was like, "Oh, it was Okafor, that's it." Was. I, yeah. I was mad at those fans for that, man. Especially one of the fans gonna throw beer, man, straight up throw beer because they was losing. And when I was trying to handle the situation, I'm gonna be in a different position uh, at Arrowhead this year. I'm with, I'm in Fans First 131 for all those out there who come to Arrowhead this season. Come check your boy out at Fans First 131 at Arrowhead. Uh, <laughs> AFC title game, the freaking beer. <laughs> Hey, you gotta get out there. They got oh, God, bro. Like, damn. Like, man. It, like, so these fans got mad at mad because they was losing. It. And uh, I don't know if you who were out there. Shout out to Stephanie Coleman. You know, one of my uh, mentors at the Lynn program. Don't get mad at me if I'm gonna talk about your bills, but I'm fuck. I'm sorry. I gotta say it. So one <laughs> of the fans had the audacity to get mad at me because okay, I was I'm trained to handle a situation where it's like. Especially with my autism, I'm taking my time talking to the one person, like, what's going on? But this guy who's a Bills fan, he's drunk, like, come on, bro. Why you ain't talking to me? Why you ain't getting that damn? Why aren't you yelling like <laughs> oh I'm God. yelling, man? Oh huh? God, you know God. what I mean? Fuck you, man. <laughs> Fuck you. And I'm sitting here like, let me turn around real quick. And that, this is what I said. And I know I could have gotten in trouble for this, but these are examples where it's like, even Tylen saying this, I know I have to be a better person because it's about taking responsibility and shout out to my father uh, rest in peace God rest his soul he always told me be responsible I take responsibility for what I what I said what I said is guy I said 
hey, dog, don't be getting mad and cussing me out because your team getting your ass whooped by us. Then I walked away. <laughs> I just said that. I'm like, look. And guess what? There was some Bills fans that were really cool, too. Shoot. There was mm-hmm. one who even had an OJ Simpson jersey, but it didn't have Simpson on the back. It had Nortberg, his character from the movie Naked Gun. And I was like, oh, this oh is- that's funny. <laughs> I had to take a picture. I'll, I'll send it to y'all guys. It was so funny. <laughs> it was like, that's the enjoyment of being at Arrowhead, man. It's not just you get to interact with the Chiefs kingdom, but knowing that we're going against other opposing teams, you want to make them their experience at Arrowhead good. Just like, man, my favorite fan base that we went up against was the Green Bay Packers. Because when the the pack showed up, it looked like a preview of the Super Bowl. Mixture of greens and reds, man. I was like, bro, it looks like mm. a Super Bowl stadium. But well, it's funny you blood. say that, too, because the Packers have always been like, if you look at the Packers and you talk to their fans, which I've talked to a lot of them, they say their AFC team is the Chiefs. Well, Chiefs fans say the same thing about the NFC. The Packers oh, are their yeah. team. So, oh, it, it, but the point, I guess the whole thing is, they're making this out. I mean, they're going to do this in a 50 on 50? In a practice? In a practice? They're going to call up, they're going to flag this guy for spinning the ball in the direction of the cube, of the, of the uh, cornerback? That's insane. How is this going to work in, 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 in the league during regular season? God forbid anybody. I mean, look at the stuff Tyreek's done on the field. The fuck the peace sign. That doesn't mean nothing. That doesn't even mean a bad thing. They just made a big deal out of it. But he's grabbed the camera. He's danced. I got all of his dances on my phone, man. I mean, the dude is, number one, he's hilarious. The guy's oh, funny as funny. hell, man. Oh, God. I mean, he's funny. I, I Honest yeah. to God, he just, he he's the epitome of what this NFL should be because he makes light of everything. He doesn't make it so bad that nobody wants to be around. And that's the greatest. I mean, he makes a mistake. He owns up to it. He laughs it off and he goes on and plays better. Who gives a shit if somebody's happy and dancing because they won, they scored, whatever the case may be, who cares? That's part of life. People, they get a promotion at work. They run outside and dance because they don't want anybody to see it. I mean, why? You got a promotion. Go dance your ass off in front of everybody that didn't get that damn promotion. Because you worked for it. And that's what these guys look at. They work for what they got. They got a very short window to be able to do what they're doing and be able to be successful at it. Now, granted, yeah, it's, you know, for the most part, a lot of these guys last a lot longer than three and a half years, of course. But in the same aspect, you don't know when that day is going to end. So you don't know that day is coming that you just may get that injury. Look at Shazier. Look what happened to him. Yeah, man. Okay, so you just don't know when it's going to happen. So let these guys enjoy their life while they got the chance to do it. They're on a national stage doing what they want to do. They don't care if a guy in a concert goes out and smokes joints on the field or on the on the stage and then throws somebody off the stage. They don't care about none of that shit, but they get mad if somebody gets happy in the end zone. It don't make no damn sense. It never has. It never will to me. When they cut it off back in the I don't know, early 2000s, mid-2000s, I was like, what the fuck are these guys doing? They ain't got no reason to be cutting this off. But some of the stuff, yeah, Terrell Owens was a little crazy. I love the guy. I still do. He's still in phenomenal shape for somebody his age. And I still think he could probably play a little bit. Oh, man, I was about to say, too, yeah. bro. I, I mean, just... 47 years old and looking the way he does, he was an Adonis. I mean, the guy was built like a brick shit house his entire career, and, and then he retired, and he still looks good. 
but and he would he run a four six forty at forty seven years old. You a know four, that's amazing. Four six forty, bro, at forty six years old, yeah, bro. That's insane. But yeah. they're they're gonna run. I I here's my opinion, and I'm gonna ask you guys. I Go don't ahead. think it's gonna last very long. I think it's probably oh, gonna no. last four or five nah, games, nah. maybe six games. Yeah, I think it's it's more like that. Um, that stupid. They're gonna lose, the, lose ratings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're gonna lose ratings. No and yeah, no TV yeah. ratings. They, and they know okay. that. I mean, Goodell always comes up with some bullshit. That's why nobody likes his ass. I mean, they're scared of him for some reason. I guess they're not scared of him. They're scared of who's coming in next. You know, for comfortability. How could it get worse? How could well, it get worse? That's, that's my question. You never know, man. I mean, God forbid you get somebody worse than him, but you can. I mean, uh, I guess that's what they're more in fear of. What I understand when they had the meeting before his contract signing, there was only a couple teams that actually said, we don't want his ass back. One of them was the outspoken Jerry Jones, which he flat out said, I don't want his ass back. And then I think the Philadelphia ownership said they didn't want him back. And one other team, and I can't remember who it was now, but you know, you got to have the majority vote to get rid of him. Three teams out of 32 is not going to work out. So, and then, of course, when everybody else said, hey, what about this? You know, what, what happens if we get somebody worse? What happens if we do, you know, people don't realize the commissioner works for the team. He works exactly. for the team. Oh, yeah. He people works for, he's for one team, it seems like. Works for all the 32. Well, you're right about that. Uh, Caleb hit the nail on the head right there. Uh, oh. They do for for him. Only work for certain work for teams. Him. It seems like with him, you're yeah, right. Now, oh, no, when Tagliabue was in, or one man, or yeah, one man, exactly. In Tampa, now, when Tagliabue was there, different story. Prior to him, different story. They were good at what they did. They were very, very intelligent. They knew how to. Yeah, you know, people say that Goodell can put asses in the seats. Well, a lot of people can do that. The asses are there now. So get somebody in that actually. I like the idea of Peyton Manning too, because I love that dude. I think he, in my opinion, is a five times better quarterback than Brady will ever be. But anyway, um, oh, yeah, I really do. He just yeah. never got the luck. He never got the breaks. He never had the 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 defense. He never had anything. Yeah, he had great wide receivers, but he didn't have the luck that Brady ever had. He didn't have the people in his pocket. He definitely didn't have the. There was times he didn't. He had the shittiest defense on the planet, and he had to do it all by himself. Mm-hmm. Brady's never had that. Yeah, problem. That's true. He's never had that problem. Brady could go out and throw for 145 yards and two interceptions and win a football game because he had a top three defense. And he had the referees helping him out. Exactly. Peyton Manning was a different story. He's the Peyton greatest Manning game manager of all time. You ain't the greatest quarterback of all time. Like That's what a quarterback's supposed to do is be a game manager. You ain't made nothing spectacular, especially especially the first ever Super Bowl he I saw him play in. Everybody making a big deal. Oh, yeah, Tom Brady. Even at nine years old, I'm like, this ain't nothing impressive to me. No, no it's impressive <laughs> to me doing something what Brett Favre would do. If you was Brett Favre, you launched a 60-yard ball deep and somebody caught it in the end zone, that's what I would consider yeah. that. That's Tom impressive, Brady, yep. All he did was game managing stuff that Alex Smith just get credit for, and they don't give him that credit. Oh, yeah. we got a game manager. That's what Tom Brady was. Yeah, he was. He was a game manager with a really good uh, setup. But anyway, regardless, I'm a weak man, fucking Brady. Anyway. Uh, yeah, fuck Gaston in the NFL. Fuck him. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah, he's annoying as hell. Um, weird enough, he showed up at Peyton Manning's uh, party, after party for the for the Hall of Fame, which is very strange. But anyway, um, regardless, it, it, it's going to be a problem, I think, for a lot of players to come adapt to it. And I think the NFLPA is going to figure out this is not going to work out. And again, Goodell is not the end all of what goes on, okay? He works for the teams. 
everybody out there that thinks he is in charge of the NFL, he is not. All he does is take everybody's opinion in the NFL and implement certain things, and then may and then yeah, like he, he just makes his own opinion. And sometimes, and for him, he makes his own opinion. Now, that's right. the problem that most ownership or owner, owner owner groups have with him is that he makes the decisions on certain things that he shouldn't even be involved with. You know, when they put uh, Kareem Hunt on the commissioner's list, okay, that was a mistake. The Chiefs made a mistake by cutting him. Then he went on the commissioner's list. They know that that was a mistake. That's why when it came to other players in the league, I'm not going to mention any names, they stopped doing that. They didn't automatically jump and say, oh, you're going on the list because he made that decision on his own. The Chiefs didn't tell him to do it. The other 31 teams didn't tell him to do it. It was him. And that was a mistake. And now Kareem's, you know, got his life together and doing fairly well out there in Cleveland. He's always the second man up, but, and I don't think he deserves that. I think he should be a starting running back in some organization somewhere, but he's not. So, and I think that's a product of him going on the commissioner's list and them using it as a tool to keep his ass down. That's exactly what's happened. And that's what's annoying to me about this is that all this shit that they're doing is going to, it's like they're putting handcuffs on everybody. And you can't handcuff people for enjoying their job. You can't handcuff people for it doing well in you life. Can't. You can't do that. I mean, these guys, they deserve to be able to enjoy. Now, granted, you can't get out of hand and do dumb shit and drink a beer and all that shit that, you know, you see some idiots do. And That you know, might happen one it, day. You never know, man. I mean, it happened in the past, so I'm sure it'll happen again. But I remember back in... It was late 80s. Some player, he scored a touchdown, ran up and grabbed a, a fan's beer out of his hand and drank it. I'll never forget that. I don't remember what team it was, but I thought, what the fuck is he doing? Go, 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 slam the beer. So I thought, well, okay, you know, do what you got to do. But they never said, back then they didn't say anything about it. Now, granted, he couldn't play the rest of the game. His coaches pulled him out, but the commissioner didn't do shit. So it's, it's part of, this is just part of the NFL. And everybody has to realize that that's just the way it is. Yeah, part of it, man. I mean, you can't change it. These guys are out there, like Caleb said, they're risking their lives, their bodies, their their future to be able to walk, talk, speak, do anything. They deserve to be able to enjoy what they're doing. It's that simple. I mean, I don't know. How, I don't know how this. Well, this is. I mean, if they're going to do this shit in a practice scrimmage game, how the hell are they going to do this? And what are they thinking about in the NFL? You got those old dogs. Like the guys that were in the Super Bowl for the last year, man, they're going to implement this like none other, especially when it comes to the Chiefs. Or if it goes anybody that's against Brady and the Bucks, they're going to make sure that, man, if they stand up and, and brush their shirt off, that's a penalty. And that's what it's going to end up being. You know, Mahomes has done a little bit of taunting himself. You know, when he counted out his 10th, his, his 10, his 10, uh, number 10th overall pick when we were playing Chicago. And Trubinsky couldn't wipe his and own ass. And at that ass point, that he was off the field. <laughs> I mean, Trubinsky couldn't wipe his own ass. But, you know, Mahomes had every right to do that. I don't blame him a bit. He got pulled the 10th overround pick when he was 100 times more of a quarterback than Trubinsky ever was. Why? Because he didn't win a national championship. His team didn't win a national championship in the four years he was there. Who gives a shit? He's still the best quarterback in the league. That's the difference between... Brett Veach, Andy Reid, and everybody else in the NFL because nine other guys passed on him. And who knows what would have picked him up? Who knows who would have got him in that 10th round? Yeah. yeah, Andy wanted to jump up and grab him. 
So did Veach. I don't blame him a bit. Veach was beating doors down to get that man. Sorry, and it was it is reported that actually the Saints actually they wanted to get the Saints wanted to get Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs jumped right in front of him. Yeah, they did. So I mean that just shows you that you see a player you really want, take him because you never know what could happen. Exactly. You never know. Exactly. And going back to the Saints, by the way, there was the top seven teams right now that are projected to have decent years but are going to have really shitty years, supposedly. The Saints is a six-win team. Cowboys are a six-win team. The Chargers are a five-win team. That's what everybody in Vegas is predicting, too. They're saying this ain't now. Did you hear about the guy that put down the three thousand dollar bet or close to three thousand dollar bet for the Jets to win the Super Bowl this year? Yeah, for the Jets. Yeah, he went to DraftKings and the, he, the Jets. Yeah, he bet twenty seven hundred thirty dollars and three cents. Weird number to to say that the Jets were going to win the Super Bowl. Now, if he wins, weirdly enough, oh no, I'm sorry, to go to the Super Bowl, not to win, but to go. If he was to win, which, you know, that's 150% not going to happen this year, he would win a little over 240 grand. Okay, so he lost, he basically gave away 3,000 bucks this year. I made the mistake a couple of years ago. I don't bet. power to him. Yeah, I don't bet on any sports. I never have. I mean, I've lived out here almost nine years and I don't bet on sports. I think I bet on two different times I bet sports and it was basically for the Chiefs. To go to the Super Bowl. The last year Alex Smith was here, I bet they would go. And I bet one more time after that with Mahomes when we lost the AFC Championship game, I said we were going to go. And I put, I lost a grand on each game. But that grand would have netted me 500000 at the time when I put placed the bet. So that's why I did it. I thought for a thousand bucks, okay, I'll eat a thousand bucks because. Alex Smith was playing out of his mind. Mm-hmm. And then we had Mahomes, which who the hell is going to bet against him? You know, I wasn't going to. Yeah. Even even with that shitty defense we had that first year he was here. I still thought we were going to go, and we almost did. Or his first starting season, I should yeah. say. So, I I don't know. I, I, I don't really bet on him, but to bet the Jets are going to make it? Man, I mean, this guy really doesn't care about money. Nah, nah. He must be rich. He's got to be. I remember a guy two years ago. Was it two years ago? Yeah, two years ago, he put a million dollars down on a team to win the Super Bowl. A million bucks. I mean, that's got... That's insane. I mean, you must be a rich mamma jamma to drop a million like it's dropping a hundred bucks. And they basically said he does it every year. Same guy. million, two million. He bet that at MGM. I guess when you're somebody with money like that and you get the habit of spending, I mean, that's what happens. Yeah. I mean, that's a good write-off for somebody that's got that money, I guess. I mean, you can actually write off gambling debts. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's a write-off on taxes. So, which I didn't know that until somebody told me. But yeah, it's a, it's a write-off for your taxes. So, if you go to the casino down in Kansas City and you lose, you know, they give you a form. And that form at the end of the year, and that form you can send it into your tax guy and they give you a write-off on it but regardless uh, this is not going to be it's not going to be easily obtained for these referees and I think Goodell is going to really wish to God he never did it and I think the, the, the actual committee is going to go what the hell are we doing because you can't penalize these guys for spiking a ball you can't penalize them for spinning the ball you can't 
You just can't. Yeah, if he gets up and does something stupid and spits on a guy or yells in his face, okay, maybe. But but look what they did to Tyron Matthew last year because he pointed in Brady's face and gave him a penalty. And um, oh, I don't even want to talk hey, about that game. You guys are making it hard for me now. <laughs> yeah, that was insane. I was just thinking about something since you brought up the uh, taunting rule. So since they're going to come out with a taunting rule, something just came up in my mind, like my intuition. That should go for Tom Brady, too. Brady, no trying to high-five your best friends, the referees. Every time he tries to do that, come on. That should be a taunting penalty. And watch out. If he doesn't get called for that, then you should know something's up. Like, nah, heck nah. You said no taunting. That's a taunt. That should be called a taunt. Doing the whole high-five the referees. Come on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I bet you I agree. Tyreek Hill tried yeah. to do that or Kelsey tried to do that. They'll definitely throw the – come on. Mm-hmm. Well, the whole thing is, too, you know, no matter how you look at that, that's a bullshit thing because there shouldn't be any interaction between the players, especially the quarterback, and the referees because that's showing – I mean, it's no different than the Super Bowl when you had a lady referee in their first time ever being a Super Bowl or a Super Bowl ref, and she has a kid named after Tom Brady. Yeah. What kind of conflict of interest is that? That's some straight bullshit. Yeah. And every time there was something against the, you know, against Brady, you know, whether it be us rushing him, a ball knocked down, whatever it was, it was a th- 30 seconds later, a flag came out and that flag came from her. 90 freaking percent of the flags that came out in that Super Bowl were from her and that one guy that Brady actually went and talked to before the Super Bowl started. That old dude. I don't remember his name. I don't even know if he's still At here. At this point, it doesn't matter. I, just I don't think she's ever going to be in another Super Bowl. Rematch. Yeah, I don't think she's going to be in a playoff or a Super Bowl as a referee ever again because that was like straight up blatant bullshit. I mean, and she admitted it. That's what got me. Everybody knew this before the Super Bowl. Oh, she's got a kid named after Tom Brady because she loved Tom Brady so much. And then she's refereeing the Super Bowl with Tom Brady in it. Come on, man. That's just bullshit. It's But that tells you the, the uh, politics that are involved to some degree. So... But anyway, uh, what else you guys got before we wrap this up, man? Um, well, for me, um, uh, I'm expecting a good preseason game uh, going against the uh, Niners. Um, I expect, like, of course, Patrick's going to play one series and uh, everybody else will play one series each as well. I'm looking forward. If there's a, a name that I'm looking forward to seeing, I want to see how Nick Bolton does in the preseason. I want to see the offensive line with Creed and uh, Trey and Niang out there. I also want to see Austin Blue uh, have a chance and see how everybody else looks. I want to see Kando, uh, especially the secondary. I want to see Mike Hughes, especially DeAndre Baker. I also want to see if like Bo P. Keys took a, a second step in year two. Uh, Willie Gay. Uh, is he willing to uh, take the next step? Because especially speaking of Willie, I, for, I feel like I haven't mentioned Willie. Uh, he's really stepping up big time. As long as he stays healthy, I think that will also be a big help to our defense as well. So uh, that's that. And uh, also for me, while I'm also getting ready for the season as well, getting ready to get back to Arrowhead, I can't wait, man. Um, also get ready for the Lynn program, um, part of the University of Kansas uh, Medical Center. Um, Part of also me trying to get back, getting back into uh, University of Kansas for a grad school. Also part of uh, the SAC program. Uh, Happy okay. to this stuff, man. So yeah, that's that there. That's, awesome, so, that's all I got. That's awesome, man. What about you, Caleb? What do you got? I'm just, I'm just mainly happy, and I can't wait for this preseason game. 
I know there's gonna be a lot of great things. I'm more concerned how is the defense gonna look, the competition for wide receiver three and four, because that's gonna be an indication who could take over wide receiver two, depending on what happened. And also, how is Kano gonna look? And then when you look at it all said and done, I kind of curious to see. Will B. Neiman get the starting snaps, or will he be more of a background guy? So I'm just kind of curious. Yep. Yeah, Ben Neiman. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, what you got about? What is it? I think it's August 31st is the final deadline for all the cuts, right? Yeah. Oh, 29th or 31st. I, oh, it is. 29th oh, okay. or 31st. If I'm not, I, I could be wrong, but I thought it was in that area. Um, well, so I thought we'll it was September, but I could be wrong. You're probably right. I don't know, man. I, I thought it was, but hell, the time's blended in together anymore, so I can't even remember. But um, mm-hmm. it's we're going to see, you know, it's going to be an interesting time. Um, get to see how the O-line gels out and how well they're going to do. And I think you're going to see a lot of the guys that we've heard over training camp, we're going to see a lot of those guys out there to see how well they gelled. And one of the guys, I don't know who it was, one of the reporters that was out there said that the O-line needed to gel. It was, actually wasn't even – our reporter it was a national reporter that was out there and said the o-line didn't look great but i think he was just trying to start controversy to be honest with you because uh from everything i've heard close to the team they're looking really good and even some of the other outside guys have said how great they look yeah they're definitely going to have to gel but i think they're doing that right now and i think this preseason is going to help a lot but you're going to see all the flashes of some greatness and i think that that o-line is just going to be a massive improvement on this team i mean joe thuny and orlando and everybody we got oh lord it's gonna be crazy times and i think yeah i agree week one man oh my god what we what's week week one gonna be like against the cleveland browns and they thought they almost had us last year that's what's funny is they thought they almost had us but then you know andy pulls out some trick shit oh by the way before we go I'm not going to say anything about what these plays are. I'm not going to say anything about how they're going to be implemented or executed, but I do know there are some plays that they want to leave in this playbook that nobody's ever seen before. And Andy is on a roll right now. He's on a friggin' roll, and I'm not talking about a jelly roll. This man is fired up, and he's wanting to implement some crazy shit. And if he does and this stuff stays in and you see it one time during the season, you're going to be flipped shit. Because from what I understand, it's some crazy stuff. And he's been, he's got his crazy mind going right now. Not that it ever shuts off. Yeah. But the dude, he comes up with some stuff, man. And I think we're going to see yeah. a lot of it this year. Mahomes put a fire in uh, his ass too. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Mahomes fired him up. Mahomes. Oh yeah. You know, They're trying to win. Up right now. They're, all they oh, want yeah, to do is win every game. So. Heck, oh yeah. Just like this right here, there's one more thing that I'm gonna just say before I go. So I'm doing the Madden simulation. Uh, before you guys started, I mentioned that to you guys. Uh, so right now in 13 games, the team is 12 and one. Yeah. And we lost to the Packers hmm. 37 to okay. 34. We were close, man. And that shows us we have a good chance of going undefeated, especially we just have to get to the bye week after Dallas. After Dallas, we look at that schedule, man, we should be smooth sailing from there, man. And right now, it's like everything as you're saying right now, everything as what we're saying tonight was gonna happen this season, 
is playing out right there as in the simulation. And based off what you're saying, what Andy's about to do, I'll put it to you like this. I'll do you one better. I won't, based off of what Andy might do, I wouldn't be surprised if Mahomes gives you a, a little bit of 2018 and a little bit of trying to pull some Lamar Jackson on some people, especially when you have a revamped offensive line and they're going to create more holes and more time for him to decide what he's going to do. Uh, watch him take off, especially it's going to help out Clyde. It's going to help out Daryl Williams finally break out to the start he is. I think Daryl might have a Gus Edwards-like type of campaign like Gus Edwards from the Ravens. I really see that, especially with this new office line. That's one thing we got to mention is going to help the run game out. Yeah, the run game is going to be huge this year, and I think that's the one thing that I did here is that this offensive line has opened the holes up for Clyde like none other. And Daryl, for that matter. But, um, oh, I saw Daryl. Boy, he went for like a big 67-yard run when I was at camp, man. The offensive line opened up a big hole. I was like, oh, yeah, just like I said on Twitter. It's, it's yep. Yep, it's going to be fun, you guys. So uh, be prepared. Right. What is that game? Saturday, right? Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, Saturday, I think, 7.30. Yep. So 7.30. So that's 5.30. 5.30 for you. Yep. I get him yeah. confused still now to this day, nine years later, and I still get confused. Well, anyway, all right, guys. Well, this has been fun. Uh, we needed to get back on the on the. Uh, oh, by the way, we are going to be doing. I got to send you those pictures, Caleb. Uh, we are going to be doing a giveaway, um, real quick, and uh, we're going to put out forward like we did last year. Really cool stuff. Um, we got some other stuff in the works right now. So once this stuff gets finished with what we're doing then we're going to put all that out but the, the giveaway we're going to try to do hopefully in this next week because we want to um we want to get us get it given away before week one of the of the uh, season so mm -hmm. with that being said um stay tuned to Chiefs focus and watch everything that's going on because we got it coming just uh be prepared that's all i got any parting words caleb and uh, just throw one thing before we go. This thank you guys for listening to the show and put, continue listening. As you know, JP and I at least will at least do one time a week going into the season. We try always emphasize for two. Last year, I think we did three. We did Tuesday, yeah. Thursday, and then also the game day. So exactly. we're going to try to do that same formula. I'm going back to college. I know it's going to be a little, little difficult, but we're at least going to do one show. Also, before we go, Philip, where can they find you at on Twitter? And Instagram? <clears throat> uh, both of them are both uh, at Magruder PMAC. That's M C G R U D E R P M A C. Um, you can also can find me on uh, Facebook as well, Philip uh, P H I L L I P V Magruder. I already spelled out Magruder for everybody else. And uh, I got one more thing to say in the words of Donovan McNabb. Hi, mama. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? I forgot to shout out my family. You know what I mean? So shout out to my mother and Shirley Davis Magruder and uh, my sister Marlena and David. You got, If they ever had the chance to listen to this. Uh, also, I dedicate this episode to my father, the late great uh, chief petty officer for the United States Navy for 20 years, Marvin Lee Magruder. Hmm. Um, I wish he was here right now. You know, that's all I can say right now. So I thank you guys for having me again. And um, this is great, man. I love this show. Yeah. I'm glad we're glad you came No problem, on, man. man. And one thing I'll just say, yeah, sorry, man. And one thing I'll just say about Philip is his takes may be bold, but he's accurate. He will say something two, three months, and then it will come to fruition three, four sure. months later. I'm for just sure. saying, if JPC and I have seen it, you guys need to give this man a props and give this man a follow. So thank That's you guys. Right.
Yep. Appreciate it, Caleb. Real talk, man. Appreciate you, Caleb. Appreciate you, JP, man. You guys are awesome, man. Appreciate yeah. it. No problem, man. No problem at all. Uh, well, with that being said, man, I don't know what else we got. We will try to do another show right after the preseason game so we can go over everything that happened during that game, what we see, what you guys may see, um, and we'll lay it all out there for you. You know, unfiltered, as always. And hopefully uh, you guys listen and check it out and hope you like what you hear. With that being said, that's all I got. Enjoy the rest of your week. Get ready for that preseason game, Chiefs Kingdom. Peace out. See you next time, guys.